Okay, so welcome back to Malleable Minds. I'm uh, I'm delighted because, well, I've had a, a busy weekend, productive weekend. I did a podcast yesterday and then today I'm equally as excited. I've got um, Ben Millington onto the podcast who is a, is a professional fighter yep. now? Yeah. Now professional. <laughs> nice. So what's, I mean, just off the bat, what's, when was the transition from amateur to professional? I think... I mean, it's weird with Muay Thai because I guess whenever you stop wearing pads, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a blurry line because over there they don't. I don't think they wear pads at all since when they start training. Um, some people will say I think it's like the rounds you do, but yeah, I think it's it's more so just no padding and then at least three three minute rounds is I think considered professional. And then I think when you go into titles, it's five threes or five twos, but. Mm. Yeah, it's like a it's a it's a blurry line, but so in amateur, <coughs> pardon me, in amateur you've got headgear on, yeah. you've got elbow pads, yeah. you don't have any shin guards, do you? Usually, well, th- this is the thing. Like IFMA, like for nationals, I think is considered like amateur, but that's the, you can get like really high level fighters like going to those nationals and worlds. Like if you if you go to worlds, like the ties will put in like their crazy like top fighters. Even though oh, it's like really? a, yeah, even though it's like a, I think considered an amateur thing, so they'll be wearing headgear and shin guards and stuff. Mm. Um, different scoring system as well. I think it's more like favorable to like volume and like quite high paced as well. Um, oh, really? Even even from the Thai fighters, because yeah. the the for anybody who's not familiar with Muay Thai, um, as I understand it, and please mm. correct me if I'm wrong, in Thailand it's kind of a I don't know whether a respect system is the way to describe it, where they start off um, kind of the first round is fairly light. You're sort of yeah. testing each other out. And then it, they almost, they've agreed to tell a narrative mm. and, and build to a climax towards the end, yeah. the final rounds where they really pick it up. And, yeah. and is that a respect thing? Or? Yeah, it's a, a lot of it will be like feeling each other out a bit as well. There's the aspect, there's like, if it, even the stadiums, like the gamblers, like putting... Yeah, okay. stuff in the first couple of rounds or like yeah. sorting out the odds of like who's going to do what um, but then also yeah just like feeling out your range and just kind of testing out their power like I, the thing I know is that like you see them throw a lot of like single power shots and it's almost like they're just being like okay like that's how hard like so and so kicks or you yeah. just kind of like feeling each other out yeah. and then yeah like you said th- three and four they'll start to like really pick it up and then five will be high paced all the time it's like for a couple of minutes until one of them kind of figures out like uh, of pretty much one so they can start to scale it back a little bit oh really yeah yeah like you'll see them like dance around the ring a bit like if well, if they're under the assumption and most of the time they're right that like they've already won the fight then they'll just kind of like cruise cruise around and and just not really throw too much and they're just like you know why would I hurt each other more when we've already kind of sussed out the, uh, the that's interesting the fight. Yeah. I was listening to again Jordan Peterson who um <laughs> For those who do continue mm. to listen to the one to these podcasts, you're <laughs> going to get kind of exhausted and might just be redundant and just go mm. listen to Jordan Peterson. <laughs> um, but he was saying this story about, sorry, not a story, a study or an observation on wolves and packs of wolves, how when they are having a fight, the, you know, this growling and this kind of staring off contest, but then they don't actually... Um, unless it's an extreme example, but they won't actually uh, kind of yeah hurt each other. But what will happen is it's kind of decided based on I'm sure a whole range of factors. 
that one of them is more dominant than yeah. the other. And yeah. what the submissive wolf will do is roll over and expose its neck yeah. and they kind of simulate what the fight would be like yeah. and then they go back to... Um, well, that they've established a new kind of hierarchy in the yeah. thing. And I wonder whether in Thailand, because as I've heard it, they, they do so many fights so often that it has that kind of, I'm not sure if honorific is a word, yeah, but well, they honor that it, well, hang on, actually, I should ask before I go there, the person who feels confident that they've won mm. backs off and the person who, or the other opponent are they still trying to get the win? Yeah, or well, you can might sometimes... see, like, so you might see, because they, I think with all their experience as well, they'll have a lot better idea of how they score, especially over in Thailand. That would be different to how they might score over here. So they've got a really, I think, good idea of how things are scored there. But then at the same time, you never know, like, what the fighter's thinking in the moment. Like, you'll see, yeah, maybe someone starts backing off and doing a bit of this and, like, moving around and stuff, and the other person is still trying to pressure forward and yeah. be like, nah, 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 I'm, I'm still going for it. <clears throat> yeah which is obviously going to be a lot harder if the other person can is essentially just move away, TP away, move away, TP Yeah, away. you're just chasing him. You're just chasing him. So yeah. you may be hoping for that luck, lucky shot. And then like, how long do you do that until you're just like, oh, fuck it. Like, I can't really even get close to them. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's all like a, a mindset thing, man. And when you see the, the ties fight, like a lot of the Westerners, and this is something that fascinates me for when I hopefully get to that point, it's like where you have to fight someone that is probably going to have a shitload more experience than you. Yeah. You've been doing it way longer, way more often. It's like, you can almost over-respect, I think, someone yeah. that's more experienced. And you see a lot of the Westerners will kind of, yeah, maybe be a bit more submissive in the later rounds when they're maybe like, oh, bugger, I, I, like, I've just been destroyed here. Or yeah, like, you'll okay. see the tie will start to pull down the pace heaps. And like they just kind of accept it, like uh, I guess I've kind of like lost that one. Interesting. So it's, it's like a mindset thing. It's like how how much do you want to like really push to, you know, put yourself through the ring? And you probably you know you might not even get out of it. I mean, there was just a card literally last night, like the one championship one with a bunch of tires on it, and it was one one fight. It was super like who's like a really top level tire fighter. It was they were fighting kickboxing. And I'm not sure what the other guy's name was, but he was just like relentless. Like on this on this tie for five rounds, five threes. I think it was five threes, yeah. And just didn't stop the whole time. Like five three minute rounds, yeah. He, he yeah. ended up losing, but it was like he was you could see he was gassing out the tie a bit because he was having yeah. to just keep throwing. And he was out outscoring him and out out kind of pacing him and moving back a lot, but still just just kind of smashing him. But he just didn't stop coming forward at all the whole time. It's yeah. like, so you could go one of two ways. You either go like, oh, I've lost three rounds, maybe four rounds, and like, oh, maybe I'll just like, yeah, we'll just tone it down and just chill for the last one. But he was like, nah, I'm just like going for it mm. the whole time. It's yeah. like, it pretty cool to see. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, I think that's the, the, I mean, for me, that's the biggest attraction for fighting. I think uh, people who haven't considered fighting at all or ever given it a go, mm. To any degree, um, just see a lot of violence. So mental, but yeah, the yeah. the mental aspect yeah. of it. And so I'm I'm curious. So you've, when was the transition from amateur to professional? I guess I'm just trying to think. I mean, there was like was like three fights maybe, or two fights where I was not wearing any pads apart from elbow pads, um, and that was a couple of like. To be honest, man, I would since since nationals. 
And then when I got back from nationals, the first fight, I actually, I actually got knocked out after I got back from nationals. That's a whole nother topic. But we were wearing elbow pads for that one. And I thought we weren't going to at all. I was just like, that was like the transition from right, I've done nationals, which is fully padded. And now we're just going to go, right, it's off to the races. With and no I, pads. Yeah, with no pads. Thought, unless yep. it's like a special, um, like another, like kind of IFMA style type thing where you just kind of have to, but it's still like quite prestigious. Like if you go to the nationals and you do well in IFMA, it's like then you go to Worlds, that might be in Thailand, it might be in Mexico. So it's still, it's considered quite like a, a good achievement to get to. Yeah, of um, course. But it's never really bothered me too much. So I guess around around that stage, probably after nationals, it's yep. like, like I said, it's so blurry, especially over here. And, and some like guys like I, I don't know what the rules are will kind of like do their record as like amateur and pro but it's like when's that line between the two? Oh like, right I, so I there's no really, real formal really um, yeah well I, I just put down my record as just like what all the fights that I've had and how many wins and losses I've had just like it just seems a lot less confusing that way and yeah I think that's what they do over in Thailand anyways because it's yeah. like when they first start fighting it's like it's, it's a fight so it's just like I guess I could see People wanting to reset it in, you know, in if they've had it in their favor, yeah. yeah. Like if they yeah. just started and you 100%. can still have no losses on your record, you have a, an yeah, opportunity to try and start you, again. You could have like, you know, you could have like a 50 50, but then go, oh, well, I'm pro now. Yeah. And now you all of a sudden you're 2 and 0 or whatever. This is like, yeah, which tells it tells a nice story. And like, I'm not going to necessarily knock anybody for doing yeah. that. But then at the same time, I think, you know, lose, I think it's, uh, those stories of like someone who's undefeated mm. are just amazing because it's like, mm. you know, humans are trying to pursue the ideal. We want to get things perfect. Yeah. But a loss doesn't mean Not that you're all, less man. of anything. That was probably the, the, the most I've ever learned was from that, from that loss I had. From the knockout? Yeah, I was like pretty on top of the world after like nationals. I won three in a row. I had two weeks in between that and... The next fight, I think it was two or three weeks, and I was still roofing at the time. And I came back, just had like a shit couple of weeks at work. Like really, you already get like a bit of a mental come down. I think after the fights, anyways, like you've gone from like up here, real high, to kind of like back down to earth a bit. I'm um, back on site. Like I'm just like it's yeah. back to normality, and that's kind of like a bit of a bummer as is. And it's had like a shit time. Whether you win or lose, it's similar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah okay. Regardless, like, I mean, just, it makes sense like from a, the point of like physiologically. Yeah, it's a big adrenaline it, high. Yeah, exactly. And coming down. Um, and yeah, that was, I think I, I just knew my mind wasn't where it needed to be the whole time. It's just my mind was not properly like on the task at hand. Yeah. The first time my, my dad had come and watched me. It was the first time my girlfriend at the time had come and watched me. Like it was, it was too much not not too much pressure but my mind was elsewhere yeah and it was such a wake-up call to like how much the mind goes into it all because i thought it was just like oh well, i've done all my training like i just hop in there and it would just be like nationals and like that's fine yeah um and i hadn't really considered like where you put your attention is where you put your energy so i was putting my attention on all of the factors like outside of the actual thing that mm. I needed to do, which is go in there and try to knock this dude out. And <laughs> yeah. the thing happened to me. It's just like, yeah. I wasn't switched on. It was that simple. And yeah, after that, I took like a little bit of a break and just kind of like reevaluated. I was like, okay, shit. Like you need to like apply your mind the same way that you apply the training, which is consistent, consistency and dedication to the mental aspect of it. Otherwise, you're just like, you're putting yourself at a massive disadvantage. It's like... 
Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a big wake-up call. So there wasn't really a... Because it wasn't uh, such a formal switch between from amateur to pro and it was kind of gradual, there wasn't like... Because I was going to ask about that transition to um, now being able to identify as a professional mm. fighter. What does that do for your confidence le- levels or even for your relationship with your ego? I think like... I mean, I've never really attached my ego as much. Like the knockout, that will just like break you. That's like ego death as it is. It's yeah, just like, it's just like it's it just breaks you down. So I already wasn't too sort of attached ego wise to it all, but like it just confidence level. That that's what it, I think it does for you. It's just like I mean, especially with the guy I'm fighting now. Like he's had way more experience than me. Fights some like really tough guys. Like. So it's now it's the thing of like well if I'm if I'm any good I should be able to just beat him like that's yeah so if I'm a if I'm actually a professional fighter and I'm going up against someone who's been around for a while and is really established like there's no reason that I don't beat this guy if I'm actually as good as my mental is telling me I am yeah and that's just like all well, self belief man so it's like if you yeah it's 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 a process as much as the training is a process and i've been training for what seven or eight years now um and it's for me it's been like quite a slow process like i've never really i've I've had other things going on i've I've gradually built up fights and it's only now that i'm sort of taking it more seriously than i have before you know just when you say now in what time frame two or three years okay which is yep. weird. It's like around COVID, it was really tricky because of all the the fights were just either falling through or people were getting COVID, and I had like three or four people pull out last year. Yeah. So I ended up having not as many fights as I wanted to, but like it's mentally, I'm taking it more seriously now than I ever have, and I think this next fight especially is like is a big push to that next level. Okay. Um, yeah. So now I've got a title fight on March 18th. Um, as well oh right so you got the one on it's february the 5th isn't it fifth and then march 18th will be a state title and then from there we'll just kind of see what happens which is already more fights in you know two or three months than i had like all of last year just because of yeah right out and shit so it's like more exciting because there's actually like a goal to like work towards yeah Um, i can imagine that um well, just in relation to having goals and having multiple goals in a relatively close time interval, and when you um, say to yourself, "Oh, I'm committed to this, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to let that go," that um, almost you could kind of say, "I don't know a lot about flow states, but you could kind of say that life takes on mm. you're, you're closer towards a flow state." Uh, for, for, for longer durations throughout your day. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I, when I you're bouncing imagine. from one to the next, like when you're like, all right, Feb 5th, sweet. Next one, this day, next one, that day. Yeah. Instead of like, when am I fighting again? Yeah. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's a real like, all right, I guess it's just like kind of, it's not the same sort of drive, whereas you've got like a, like a, like a date and a goal or even just like, you know, assuming that something's going to happen like that. So yeah, it gives you a lot more like, yeah, like focus and direction, I guess. Yeah. I train all the time regardless, but like it, it really dulls it up, I think, when you've got like, yeah. something to something yeah. to actually drive like drive for. So Yeah. Yeah. So how did how did you like what was your I, I know we've spoken about it, I think briefly, maybe, you know, a couple of times, but how did you get in to fighting and how have you found 
your preparation, your because um, you you do like PT for for fighting of that as well. So yeah, how how, how have you found your yourself develop? And I know that's a that's a big question. But as a fighter, obviously, because you're training, but that mental aspect as well mm. and the preparation for a fight. Yeah. So I think, oh, I, so I started when I was what, 19. So it's, yeah, seven or eight years now. Yeah. Um, and that was just, I think a lot of people, when you're kind of in that stage between maybe playing some sport and then you just start going to the gym and then you may be looking for the next thing. Like a lot of people would stick with the gym, but I was like looking for the next thing. Like you with jujitsu, it's like you want something that's going to push you. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think I was listening to Rogan or something and he had, he had Kevin Ross on, who's like an American Muay Thai fighter. And I don't think he started Muay Thai at all, hadn't touched anything until he was like 21, 22. Oh, okay. And he so went on to be a world champion. So oh, no like, kidding. Uh, you had this thing in your head of like, oh, I could start now, but I won't be that good or da da da. And it's like, Oh, well, there's no, it's like Goggins. It's like, there's no excuse now. Like, yeah. There's a dude there that's like, you know, you know, done that in such a short period of time. Mm. So that was like, yeah, just jumped in there and then didn't really, I'm not a violent man. Like I don't like hurting people. So it's like, I never really like wanted to even really compete. I was just like, wanted to see what it was like. And then, yeah, just kind of, I think it was after like six or seven months, had my first fight on like nine days notice so i didn't even have time to like get nervous and this is the thing about the mental process man like they i, I remember they just were kind of like oh do you want to fight and i was like yeah sure and then we'd done a bit of fight training for a while and then something just popped up and i was like all right sweet it looks like i'm jumping in there and it was like, like like nine days to just cut the weight and stuff so there's no time to really just like start getting dealt oh, my my mind was just on cutting the weight that's all I was yeah. thinking about. It's like I was at this. I need to be this. Oh shit! Right, fucking food. Da da da. Weight cutting. Like that's that's what it was on. Mm. And I actually got in there. Just kind of. It was all a blur. I can barely even fucking remember it. But the more you get yeah. into it, like you said, with the preparation, the mental preparation, you start. You know, with experience also comes more like doubt and fear. Cause you're like, oh, fuck! I remember what that was like. Like, oh, yeah. I, was like, oh, I don't want to like do that again. Um, but you know this in psychology behavioral rehearsal so i did hypnosis as well so i use a lot of self-hypnosis or yeah well, I'm, qualif to... I'm qualified now in, in, oh. in hypnotherapy so. oh i was gonna ask you about that too yeah. i've got that on my my list here of, of different topics so, yeah. so i do a lot of self-hypnosis stuff um but more med i guess meditation it's all kind of the same thing you, yeah you're getting into your subconscious even when you're meditating you're doing the same thing you're getting deeper into your subconscious you can obviously do your behavioral rehearsal so like and, and the visualization like the walkout like the before in the fight all that sort of stuff but i think about it more as like now what are the emotions you want to feel when you're in there like how do you want to feel what's what's the the perfect perfect flow state that you're in and i can kind of pull from other fights to kind of where i felt really good to kind of get those down mm. and i'll write them down and then i'll bring those emotions up and go oh, i can feel that again like i know how to feel that and you sit there for a bit and you feel it and then once you've kind of done that for a while you can add that to the, the visualization visualization aspect so you go all right maybe uh before when i'm hitting pads or i'm shadow boxing you start to bring those emotions up and you can attach certain anchors to it and then on the walkout when the song comes on i mean for me i'm just like i want to be there to enjoy it so that's like my main emotion is like enjoyment 
smiles, happy, like you're walking out, fuck yeah, let's fucking do this. Like, let's go. <laughs> I, you see me when I'm in there, I'm like smiling and shit. Like, let's, I'm looking let's forward to go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, um, to seeing it. But then also focus and, you know, being able to go between, like you'd be enjoying it and, and, you know, you're here to kind of, this is what you're here to do. So there's no point like stressing yourself out about it, but then also being super focused and like in the moment. And like, yeah, I kind of do a bit of a process where I just kind of combine all those things. So by the time I hopefully get to the to the point where I'm doing it, it's really easy to just bring up those emotions that I want to feel, mm. which are usually just the polar opposite of the ones that you don't want to feel that are going to come up regardless. Like you're going to get scared. You're going to get a bit nervous. Like it's going to come up, but you just kind of have to surrender to it and then go, I'm just going to transmute that to the ones that I've been rehearsing for as long as you've been rehearsing and did that i imagine that would have from did you win or lose the first fight that you did that you took on nine days Uh, i won that first one yeah i was gonna say what do you do you think it would have gone differently if you had lost or you were at a state at the time that was i don't know actually because my second one i lost but okay i i knocked the guy's front tooth out in the last round so i I threw a head kick and his front tooth came out no kidding mouth guard was, with his mouth yeah, guard? Yeah, his mouth guard was in. His mouth guard went out and his front tooth went with it. I so you had my, a little... I fell on my ass as well. I threw a head kick and I like kind of slipped out from under me because it was like getting up pretty high. Yeah. Um, and he'd just kind of been clinching and it, I didn't get dominated. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't... I was just... He was clinching a lot and I didn't really know how to clinch so well. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what happened. And then, yeah, by the time... I think... I can't remember if it was a split decision. I think it might have been... But like I wasn't even like unhappy after the fight. I was just kind of like, oh. well, I guess you almost had an ornament to take home. Yeah, I was, just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh. I wasn't even like, oh, I fucking should have won that. I was just like, oh, that was a pretty cool experience. Like, yeah. it's just good to get in there for a second time and do it. Um, That's a hard punch. I've had a, a, a tooth pulled out. Admittedly, it was well, it was a wisdom tooth, so yeah. they're a bit, a little bit different. Um, not a dentist, but just yeah. The, I don't. I don't think I knew until like. Cause it was in the last round and I remember I saw something happen and then they were kind of, they grabbed the mouth guard. No, you saw it in the zone. I didn't actually know what was happening until Carl like, told me, I was like, dude, you just knocked his tooth out. Eh? Like, I'm like, yeah. Oh, really? Hopefully I win the yeah. fight then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I can imagine that'd be a, a, quite a source of, um, confidence in, yeah. you know, it sounds perhaps morbid and, and brutal. Mm. Uh, but with all the other, you were talking about the mental aspect of it yeah. as well. Um, to be able to go, okay, right, I didn't necessarily win the fight yeah. as I would have liked, but I I showed some some physical ability and yeah. you know mental ability to yeah. kind of overcome. You said that it was challenging. Yeah, yeah, rounds before obstacles. it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like you said, it's. I think the less the 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 more you you obviously want to win and you're going in there to win, but the more you kind of detach yourself from outcome, the less pressure you put on yourself as well. So I know like the state I can get into where I want to, like you're just competitive and you want to win. Like, you know, I do it at training with my teammates all the time. So I would just be trying to take each other's heads off because <laughs> it's like neither one of you wants to take a back step or neither one of you wants, you know, you know you can get into these states. Like this is the thing about bringing up those emotions. Like it's all there. It's all in your, you've got the faculties for all of it. It's all in your head. It's just like, can you bring it? Can you bring that energy out? And that's where you see like fighters that you know are like really, really fucking good. Just have like a bad night or whatever. It's like they almost just can't bring up those those emotions. They can't bring up that fire on the night 
for whatever reason. Um, so is it fire? There's fire. You you mentioned before um, that you're you're smiling, you're having a good time, mm. but you're focused. So it's like almost like controlled fire because mm. you don't want to be you don't want to deplete yourself of, of energy with yeah. the adrenaline dump mm. but then you also don't want to be goofing around that's it you know on yeah. the other extreme 100 and then you know get caught doing something silly yeah. which you see those you see those people who do the stare downs yeah, and they're yeah. like tickling the other person's nose or whatever yeah, and then they like, get knocked out everyone's got their own process i think as well but for me at least that what you just said there is the best way to think about it. it's like you want to you want to be as focused as you can in that. And focus like comes like it's, it's weird when you have your first fights, like especially the first one, I couldn't believe like by that point in sparring, you're pretty comfortable. You've done it enough where you, you feel like, you know, your range and your distance, like, I can handle myself here. Getting in there, it was like everything. It was just, it was like reality was here and I just shifted down a spectrum and like mm-hmm. everything, my equilibrium was off. I didn't know how I was getting hit when I didn't think I could be hit. Like I thought I was out of range, like it was all, and that I feel like has persisted somewhat, gotten less and less and less the more I've had. But obviously when you see these top, top level guys, they're fighting it with the same sort of level of focus and relaxation as when they would be sparring, like with their with their teammates and it's chilled. And I think like, especially in Thailand, like a lot of their sparring is like really quite technical and relaxed. Yeah. And then when you see them fight, they're like that, but they're hitting like hard as fuck. Like they're yeah. really trying to take your head off, but like there's no like grit and yeah. like, you know, it's, it's all flowy. And I think getting to that state, yeah. If you're working yourself up heaps before the fight, maybe too excited or like too like, goofing around, too goofing around. Like, yeah, it's not, you're not going to be in that flow state. You're not going to be in the same level of like being able to focus on what's in front of you. Yeah. Um, and I think that with this next one is like the main goal for me. It's like I don't even really like. Obviously, I'm I'm gonna win, but like I don't think about it as winning or losing as much. The thing was like I want to go in there and I want to have that feeling of like I performed to my utmost of like where I, I I know I can, and I'm happy with that. And I think that was the thing with that second one. Like I was saying, I lost, but I was like. I, I'm pretty happy with like how I did there, so I'm not. Okay. Too, I'm not too. Wow, young. that's a very nuanced and um, kind of honest way to go about it. Like even if you know that you've done your best, mm. but you still didn't get the outcome that you wanted. Yeah. I think that could go with a win or a loss. Like where I got knocked out, obviously I was like, didn't do how I wanted to do. Mental, I was, just wasn't there. But then even my last fight, like I won and I won pretty convincingly, but I was still kind of like that wasn't the absolute best I could have done. I could have done, I could have been more aggressive. I could have landed more. Like I could have done this better. Like it just wasn't ideal. Whereas there was one I had on, on pride, the pride fight series, which I was really, really happy with. Like it was another guy that was a lot, a lot more experienced than me. I think he had like 30 odd fights. I was on like eight or something at the time. Yeah, right. And I smashed it. I got an eight count in the second round, almost got one in the first round. Like, yeah, and wow. I just really felt like I just performed like as as somewhat as best as I could. Like it was definitely there's always things you could do better, but I was like really, really happy with how I performed. And I think that matters more than the win in my at least in my eyes, is like did I did I give everything I had to give and did I just like really push it and really just like nail as much as I could and I think that's like means a bit more. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, you get more fulfillment that way. And Otherwise, so, 
Yeah, no, sorry. I was just like, otherwise you'd just be worrying about whether you're going to win or lose all the time. Yeah. And that was the thing with when I got knocked out. I was so concerned with the fact that those people in the crowd there, those people in the crowd there, them there, that I will know what if they see me lose. I have to win. Like it was, it was, it was too much. I was putting pressure on myself by doing that. Yeah. Instead of like, yeah, you might go out there and just have some fucking like with this next guy. I might have some absolute fucking war with this dude, and like we're beating the living shit out of each other, <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like everyone's loving it, and I might come out and lose. <laughs> but but then at least it would be in kind of the service of your values. Yeah, it's just that thing not as attached to the outcome again. Yeah, yeah, I like it. <clears throat> yeah. So I wanted to go back to what we were saying. So you found that you've added multiple different um, elements, the visualizations, the, what was the behavior thing that you said? Yeah, like behavioral rehearsal. So behavioral like, rehearsal, I hadn't yeah, heard I of guess that. It's part of the, like the hypnosis stuff that, that you can kind of go down, which is essentially like you can do what's called future pacing. So you essentially, I, I guess that's what I'm doing is like you putting yourself to the future situation that you want to experience in the way that you want to experience it. Um, and then the behavioral rehearsal is just, uh, I guess the, the walkout, like how do I want to act in the walkout, uh, the Y crew, which is like the traditional sort of dance type thing you do before a lot of the, the fights. Dance? Um, yeah. So you'll, you'll seal the ring. You'll go around the whole ring. Oh yes. I remember this when I did that and you'll one. Do like, you know, everyone's got their own different, um, yeah, it's like a traditional, it would look like a dance to most people and that you can kind of, you can Google and, and YouTube a bunch of these and really cool ones, but that's another good way to kind of anchor your emotions into how you want to feel. So that's all like behavior rehearsal as well. It's like, this is what, how it's going to happen and just going over it, over it, visualize, visualizing it a lot. Um, and I think the most important thing is in attaching those emotions to it because like mm. you can rehearse going through that whole situation and how it's going to feel but if you're not attaching how you want to feel to it then you're just going to feel however you were feeling when it's going on like if you close yeah. your eyes right now you'd be able to and you picture yourself I don't know on freaking Heinley Street and someone tries to attack you yeah. your heart will start going you'll start sweating like you'll start getting a threat response and you might start feeling fear and everything so you could visualise that as much as you want trying to like acclimatise to it but if you're not attaching the emotions that you want to feel to it then you that situation is going to come and yeah you might feel better around it but it's just going to be the same emotions that you were feeling when you were visualizing it you know what i mean yeah like, that's really interesting because and this is there's this balance that i hear you talking about where you're not visualizing oh yeah i'm top dog necessarily like obviously you you're um visualizing uh, positive things about yourself rather than negative but you're also acknowledging the fact that the environment is going to have its own impact it's a dynamic yeah. Uh, yeah. interaction between yourself and the environment i've spoken about this briefly in i'm doing like a, a series on addiction yeah to talk about that but that balance to go okay the environment i'm going to you said threat response, mm. you know, that's going to be present because yeah. there is a threat, yeah. but I have, um, some ownership or I have something to give and something yeah. to bring to this situation. Yeah. So when you're like those, I remember just that, uh, rising stars, mm. uh, one that I did. So you, you've had an experience of the same, the same thing that is yeah. like fighting in a ring might be tight with a crowd 
might just be a toned up version but it's essentially the same thing like yeah. you, you've experienced that same thing of like you start like yeah okay all right. it's terrifying it's, yeah and it's, it's scary it really goes but then at the same time and this is the thing that i i think lots of people don't understand with fighting is that you know the threat detection system is there to help us from you know being harmed and that's psychological harm or physical yeah. harm you know the losing social status and things like that which come up when you were talking about having those people in the crowd that were yeah, watching you that 100%. time i don't want to lose yeah, in front yeah. of them then i am a loser yeah. you know kind of oh, a thing okay. so is but, that maslow's hierarchy needs yeah <laughs> yeah 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 kind of like that and that, you know because yeah that's a we uh i won't go into all of that because otherwise i'll lose myself um but to uh but afterwards when you finish that and you can go i actually survived yeah. like because i did two i think yeah. it was two matches yeah. is that what most people yeah. yeah yeah and the first one was extremely challenging and i remember i'd said to you yeah, yeah. uh at the time uh, before it was during the week or something and i was like oh yeah I'm going to smash this guy or, or whatever because like when we'd be doing drills he'd yeah. kick harder than what mm -hmm. I thought was reasonable mm -hmm. um, and it, it, for some reason I don't know I was just trying to pump myself up I yeah. didn't know what the right you know thing yeah. to do was and then I get in there and I was like oh wow like this guy is a lot better than I am and afterwards uh, it was kind of in reverse. I thought that I was going to feel good leading up to it because I'm telling myself, mm. yeah, I can do this. And then afterwards I thought, well, I'm going to probably be hurt, so I'm not going to like yeah. that. But it was kind of the other way around for me where it was the adrenaline of going, oh, wow, and then realizing I'm, I'm losing here. Yeah. And uh, the loss is symbolic of I would have died if this was to yeah. the death. Like that, that's what it means. Yeah. Um, which, if you reflect on that just for a moment, is a big, it's a big deal. It brings you back yeah. into your experience yeah. right now. But then afterwards, it was very much like, wow, I actually, because it wasn't a fight to the mm. death, gratefully. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I actually, I actually got through that, and I, I learned a little bit more yeah. about, you know, what's what's possible for yeah. myself. It was and then still you would quite... have felt a lot better going into the second one. I think I remember, absolutely. I remember you saying like afterwards, like, oh, that was way like the pressure level comes down. It's one of the good things about nationals because you fight, like if you if you keep winning, like you fight every day. So like, it's like a knockout type That's thing. insane. So like you weigh in every morning and then you, like if, obviously this is if you keep winning. So we won the first one, all right, sweet. Now I have to weigh in again the next morning and then fight that day, won that one, sweet. All right, weigh in the next morning and that was the final. So it was three and, and Kai and Corey both won the gold as well. But, Oh, that's the awesome. All from came. the same, yeah, same gym. Yeah, wow. We, got, we got a killer photo of all of us. With our it's an amazing gym. Yeah, the killer. The, the um, level of attention that goes into even from even the like complete novice, yeah. you know, comes in there and there is attention and respect yeah. to what you want to get out of it. Yeah. And, but also what you can get out of it. Because yeah. some people won't want to be a fighter. 100%. But, and they might go, oh, I'm just doing this for fitness, but it's like, you can also focus on technique here and, yeah. and you can actually start to grow uh, your, your confidence 100%. levels. So. And I, I like to push people to, like if they start to go, oh, I, I'm not sure I really want to do this, but 
I, I like to kind of push those buttons a little bit personally. Like everyone's going to have their own, their own. I mean, my missus at the moment, like she's just done a level two grading, so she, oh, yeah. she can start doing the level two sparring now, which is obviously more open sparring. We don't go super hard, but it's freestyle. It's open, so it's like it's less uh, not controlled, less um, like you're not drilling like really like it's freestyle sparring. Essentially. Yeah, so people start to get a bit nervy when they first have the option to go and do that. And some people don't want to do it and like 100% fine, like cool. But like I can always tell it's like people just like that are at that level where they could do it and they'll do well, but they don't want to do it. And I'll be like, just push buttons a little bit. Like yeah. I just, I always just say, don't put it up on a pedestal. And I, and I would say the same about having your first fight as well. It's like, don't, don't, yeah, don't put stuff up too high on a pedestal that you, you're not even going to attempt it. Like yeah. re- realize that it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging, but like, it's not the end of the world if you lose or you win or whatever. It's more about the pro. It is really more about the process and like what you just said about your experience, like what you get out of it afterwards and realizing like, fuck, I actually just did that. Hey, like yeah. most people don't ever do that. Like, mm. you know, there might you might have street fights, but like it's it is all the 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 prior stuff. Like, it's one thing getting in a bit of a brawl on the street or whatever. Like, I wouldn't advise doing that ever it's like it's one thing to know that this date is coming you've got a date that you it's coming up like it's not like you're planning like to fight someone like out on the street it just happens yeah if you have to deal with it then you're kind of just thrown into the fire but it's all the stuff leading up to it i think and that's like the mental that's why it is so much more mental it's like you have to deal with all those doubts fears excitement like we're saying like having to pump yourself up maybe yeah does that work for me? Does that not work for me? Like me personally, like if I'm thinking about how much I fucking hate the other dude, it just doesn't work. It's just, I'm yeah. not like that as a person. Yeah. Like, so weigh-ins and stuff are always really awkward for me because like, I'm like, hey, hey man. Hey, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. What book like, have you been reading lately? Yeah. Do you read? Or, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, like the guy, like Matt Marcy, he actually has a podcast as well. He's, he's Oh, no kidding. Yeah, he's a stand-up Yeah, awesome. Com- I'll have to check comedian. it out. He's really, he's really he's good. He's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. So, and me and him like, I don't know, I think we'd probably get, like, I've chatted to him every now and then on Instagram, so we'd probably get along, like, really, really well. Yeah. So when we were waiting in, we were just, like, both smiling. So it's probably, <laughs> like, maybe we were really comfortable in the situation. Yeah. And that, I still think, is, like, one of my best performances because I was just being myself. Like, is what, you know, you're not always going to get someone that's like that with you. Like, you, I might be just being myself and this other dude wants to rip my head off. He's like, fuck you, and, like, getting all angry and yeah. stuff. But I think if you can just center back to just how you are as a person i just know that i'm just going to go in there i'm going to compete my ass off and i'm going to try and take your head off when i'm in there but that doesn't mean i don't like you yeah it doesn't mean i have to fucking hate you it doesn't mean i have to think you're a dickhead or whatever even if you are a dickhead like it's like i don't think that's a prerequisite to doing well in the fight because like yeah like if you lean on that that might work for a while but for me, I just think like, yeah, it's, it, everyone's different. Like, some well, it's not good for the soul either. And you can, you can substitute soul for whatever word works for you, but it doesn't work. I, I just don't think it works in the long run mm. to, to compromise um, yourself mm. like that. I mean, may, what, I'm not judging necessarily judging either. Like you said, whatever works and maybe it's more for show and more for maybe like, mind tactics where yeah. they're like look i don't i don't dislike this guy i'm just trying to see whether he reacts yeah. to to my which is just another tactic yeah. of fighting i guess you got to find what flips like flips you into that mode the most and that's from personal experience like 
and this is something I had to confront I think after the knockout like I'm a show pony man like I had to kind of realise that about myself it's like I, I wanted to perform so much for the people that I would cared about and the more I've kind of delved into that and this is why I would go out there and enjoy it is because it's like I used to get worried about the crowd but now I realise it's like I'm, I'm really I'm like a bit of a show off <laughs> like it's yeah. just, how, it's just like how I am yeah. I don't like to like show that I'm a show off but I think yeah. that's what gets me going now whereas like you look at someone like Mike Tyson like that dude's childhood experience and stuff pretty fucked up like yeah. so his his I think um, we go back to those emotions like I was saying like almost programming the emotions you want to feel in the lead up and then when you're in there and stuff Customato used to do a lot of hypnosis with Mike Tyson. Like he used to hypnotize him a lot. Customato is is his, uh, I guess, mentor and trainer. Like his main trainer. Oh, he. This is the yeah, like the, the Customato, whatever is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they would go into like he's you know Tyson's talked about it as well. He's a conqueror. Like he'll demolish you. Like it's all like quite aggression. Like I'm 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 the best. I'm. It, he always talks about he's like he was like Alexander the Great. Like he's a conqueror. Like he's, yeah. He's gonna destroy you, like, and you look at Tyson fight. You're like, yep, that, yeah. that's it. Like, he's gonna wipe you off the face of the earth. Yeah, and that was like a lot of what I think Cus would do in the hypnosis thing. And you've heard Mike. There's that famous like thing where he's talking about like his walk to the ring. I don't know if you ever heard it before. Tyson would be like, no, every day. Then I get close to the ring, I'm more and more confident. Yeah, <laughs> and oh, like, I have heard this. And he gets yeah. in, he's like, when does I get in there? I'm a guard, no one can defeat me. And he's like, that is like, that's hypnosis. Like, he's figured out the emotions that is going to trigger him into just performing at his best. And he's gone, yeah, when I get in there, like, no one can beat me. I'm a fucking god. Like, good, yeah. good luck. Like, and that's a pretty strong emotion. I think if that's probably something he's built over a period of time but because of his childhood and stuff I think that probably works really well for him it's like it's quite aggressive like um, energy yeah for me this is what I realise now is like it's just I want to go out there and I just want to perform I just want to sh- perform in front of people like I'll do like tricky shit like I've mm. done in a couple of my fights and just 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 being a dickhead like <laughs> just because I think it looks cool yeah. <laughs> it's like it might not work perfectly but like I don't know this is like when you get in and you start enjoying the flow of it for me at least that's what works and yeah like, like I said it, everyone else is different and like going back to what you said before like thinking about the person that you were going to fight and yeah maybe inspiring they get like that might work to get you in that zone it might not it might but you have to test these things yeah well. for like, sure you have to you know figure out what works best for you yeah Yeah, well i i I mean even when i used to play footy as well it would be so much about um because anything i do i want to do it to the best of my ability and that's always been the case and obviously outcomes you know how how you track in terms of achieving a certain outcome is a you know pretty stock standard way of measuring your success another way could be um, how much I'm learning about myself, which yeah. is what I'm, which is what I delve into now. Yeah. But that, uh, even when I was playing footy, it was very much about the outcome, and and it wasn't so much like I had to do well, mm. and I had to really not uh, mess it up, you know. And and then when I started to you know try um, martial arts, you know that kind of changed to. Uh, like what you're saying about just trying to give it my best and, and then just see what I learn out of it because 
trying to be a perfectionist. That's another reason why I want to do these podcasts. Mm. I think I mentioned it yesterday as well that I'm going to say things where I go, oh, mm. that was not how I meant it at all. Like even yesterday, I we were talking about how neurons fire and at what millivolts uh, it passes the threshold and then it fires. And I'd said negative 70 and then I was like, oh, is it negative? And I've... Like all I talk about is neuro, neuroscience and neuropsychology. And I just thought, far out, this is so frustrating. But to, again, to try and uh, counterbalance, which is similar to what you were saying about Tyson, counterbalancing from uh, the, the damage of his childhood to mm. something that's empowering. Yeah. I think I've kind of come from, I've in the past... Uh, even if it hasn't necessarily shown outwardly, which I think it probably has as well, have been quite egotistical, like telling myself that I am more important than other people. And so to counter, going into that first fight that I was talking about, saying I'm going to smash this guy, it's too close to, it's too one-sided. I have to, I have to go back on the other side. You mentioned, um, (coughs) and I appreciate your honesty with it too, about saying that you recognize tendencies that, of um, show poniness, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we could say it, and to kind of the counterbalance yeah, you... of that, but to still acknowledge that it's a part of you, yeah. and that there there are uh, still likely to be some positive elements yeah. to it. You too. can lean. You can. You can. Um, I think there's a way to use everything positively. Like I said, Tyson was able to use those that a lot of anger and a lot of frustration, probably a lot of aggression to. Well, not positive for the guy that's on the other end, <laughs> on the other end of the talks and stuff, but like positive for his outcome. Yeah, exactly. It was really interesting. We had like a, a guy like come in and just like film stuff. Uh, his name's Mike. Uh, forget the last name. Um, and film some stuff around the gym. And I realized I was hitting pads and stuff. He's like, as soon as the camera was on me and was like filming me and like taking photos, I was like hitting so much harder yeah. for longer as well. <laughs> I was like turning my training, but I was like, I was such a show pony. Like, as soon as yeah. like that camera came around, I was just like smashing it so much more. But that was like a revelation. I was like, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I was like, yeah, mm. you can, you could definitely, you know, I deal with the other side of it in probably people pleasing a bit too much which is like, I guess the flip side, because you want to impress people, you want to do well Mm. for other people, you want to have people think nice things about you, all that sort of stuff. But then you can use that, I guess, to to zone you in and to like get into that flow. It's like, yeah, I want to, I want to perform at my best so that, you know, obviously for yourself, but if you, if you can use outside forces to help that, I think it's, it's a positive thing. Yeah. Because yeah, obviously you don't want to just be doing, I don't want to be going in there fighting just for other people. It's like yeah. you want to learn stuff. Well, again, that'd be another um, dynamic interplay, except uh, you'd be kind of trying to unite them between the environment and your internal state. Yeah. So if there's still the threat. Um, there's still the threat out in the environment, but you kind of, and then you've got how you're going to meet that threat, but you're almost kind of uh, reshaping that threat out in the environment and adding a little bit of love, adding yeah. a little bit of uh, purpose and meaning yeah. and, and something to kind of uh, work with that. I like that. Yeah, 100%. I think like, that's why I think the ties have got it so, they've got it down so, so well. Cause I think just from experience and the amount, you're talking these days had like 200 fights a lot of the time. Like that's insane. A massive, a really high level. And you watch them with the fighters, it's just like, there's no, 
there's no ego really it's like when yeah when they're fighting like there's a really good example is Rod Tang so if you ever watched Rod yeah. Tang he's an absolute savage yeah but like yeah he'll try to kill you in there like he looks like he's literally trying to destroy you but it's just like as soon as it's over and done with it's like there's no ego it's just like you go into the zone and then you come out of the zone and now once I'm out of it I'm just me again like it's I, I like that interplay and there's always respect obviously as well and it's, it's yeah if you lean too much on the anger of wanting to mess someone up or whatever then yeah you're always gonna maybe come off as a bit of a dick afterwards like if you win or lose like you, you're putting your ego into it a bit too much like yeah it's almost like you're gonna use I'm gonna use my ego for, for this moment I'm gonna use it for these for these rounds and I'm gonna tap into wanting to please everyone on the outside wanting to be a god in the ring like all that i'm going to use all of that that stuff but then once i'm out of it and this is why i like fighting so much i'm just going to go back to being you know the you know, like i said the soul self the the my actual self like the the higher person i'm not gonna get stuck in the, the ego stuff and i think that's you know when you when you take a loss or whatever like someone someone like mighty mouse johnson yep. like you see that dude take he just a loss. transitioned to one championship yeah, didn't he yeah because yeah. he him and he's like Rod Tang last night did actually. a sorry he was commentating last night actually. oh okay show, yeah. yeah right but you see that dude take a loss it's probably the best loss taker I've ever seen in my life yeah like, obviously one of the best fighters ever as well but one of the best loss takers you ever see because he's just like yeah he goes in there and he's going to compete his absolute ass out but once he's out of it he's like yeah it's just lost it's fine it's all yeah good. It's I like that similar as uh sure most people have heard of the Michael Jordan talking about how many games he's lost how many times he's had to take the winning shot and failed yeah. and you know, all these other things too and I think it really for these greats I think I know pretty sure Joe Rogan put Mighty Mouse as you know up there in top yeah, three I'll, best fighters of all like, time in terms of wins and everything yeah yeah, yeah he, him and um, Rod Tang did a yeah the mixed one yeah, yeah the mixed yeah but it was like one round, the first round was Muay Thai, the second round was MMA, yeah. mixed martial arts, and then it went back to, yeah. how many rounds was it, four? It was I mean, four. it got cut, Yeah, it? it was four, because but they, yeah, he choked him out in, in the second. But yeah, it was going to go Muay Thai, MMA, Muay Thai, MMA, yeah, four rounds. Yeah, I mean, props to Rod Tang oh, for crazy, just man. giving that a crack. Yeah. And, and to be fair, Mighty Mouse is like hitting him with some shots like in the Muay Thai round where like it almost looked like he was kind of surprised by it, it was, like, yeah like yeah she's like throwing like, <laughs> overhands and like hitting him on the chin and being like shit like yeah it's cracking so so how do you deal with like like being hit in the I mean if you if you get the wind taken out of you being you know that's obviously quite intense or like a liver shot or something but I always found even inspiring situations that being hit in the face mm was it had a new meaning and I don't know whether this is just me overthinking it with psychology but it was like I'm picturing my brain rattling around in my yeah, head yeah and like that is a lot of the reason when I first started I was pretty slow like I was having fights very infrequently and that was very much in the forefront of my forefront of my mind like yeah. when I was doing it for, for a while I was just like I'm, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore because of that like and then the more I thought about it, it's like if you, but you, ch I really do believe that you choose your own reality. Like, physical things are going to happen to you, but if you believe that you, that's that's what's going to happen to you, and that's that's all you're worried about, there's a lot more chance of it happening to you. 
and I think now I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm, I know I'm not gonna do this forever. We don't go crazy in sparring, don't fight massively often. I don't take a, a lot of shots anyways. I'm quite a, an evasive fighter as is. Yeah. If I'm taking shots, I've got my guard up, and most of the time I'm, I'm quite careful with what's going on, and it's more about technical and picking your shots. Um, yeah, like the, the rear kick that you do to the body is insane. So most people will <laughs> um, swing their... Uh, if you imagine that just like your leg is a straight stick, they'll kind of swing it around and you know bring it out and then up. And so you can kind of see it swirling around. But Ben does this thing where he almost, it's almost like you bring your knee up and then turn your hips over... Yeah. So you don't really see it coming. It could be a teep, which is like a straight, um, as though you're kind of trying to do a single leg squat. Um, it's a, not the best way of describing push it. Push the guts. Yeah, pushing them in, in the stomach, um, but whipping that around, like yeah. that, that technical yeah, aspect. Saying the cards drills into us quite a lot is make, yeah. make your kick so direct. And this showed perfectly in my last fight. Like, old mate was trying to box, essentially. Like, he's more of a, more of a puncher. So he was either going to come in with punches or he was going to counter with punches. So every yeah. time I was, I actually had him on the back foot. Like we thought he was going to come forward quite a lot. And it just didn't end up happening. He used his range a lot more. So I was kind of pushing into him a lot, but I was still staying and just kicking the shit out of him because I didn't, you know, I'm under no illusion. I probably wasn't as good a boxer as him. I definitely went with some exchanges with him, but I was like just kicking him from the outside and I, because my kicks were so direct and, and, and like you were saying, down the middle, by the time he went to counter with his punches, he's already been pushed back too far from the kick to be in range for, for the punch. punch. Yeah. So it's, and if you're just able to do that consistently, then you, you're not only scoring more with powerful kicks that are pushing them back, which is what scores, yep. you're not getting hit either. So I barely got hit that fight. Like he, he caught me with like a few um, elbows and a few good shots, but like I really didn't get hit that much because I was just kicking the shit out of his arms <laughs> and yeah. kicking the shit out of his body and, you know, mixing up the levels, leg, body, head and looking for the opening. And there was a couple of head kicks that maybe could have snuck through, but um, yeah, like, like you're saying, if you keep it like down the middle, yeah, there's no, you're not going to see it coming from around the outside as much. It's direct. It's going to push him back more like your body's behind it, so... Yeah, so you were saying that the, uh, you know, at the beginning, you're conscious of the head impact, and so you kind of focused on <coughs> being evasive. And yeah. then you mentioned, you mentioned preparation. You thought that this previous guy was going to push, uh, push more, and you were able to get him on the back foot. So, at what step do you like study your opponents to much depth? Not really. I mean, I think the too much you worry about who you're going up against then you just end up fighting like fighting to beat them rather than fighting your own game yeah so you take note of things and like just take note of a few things but it's more like what i've already got in my toolkit that i should be using more of like, yeah rather than like this is what we're going to do if he does this or if this is what we're going to do if he does this it's more about like these are a couple of things I already do well that will probably work well against so-and-so. So that's, yeah, kind of how we approach it. Yeah. Um, less specifically, yeah, preparing for a person. I think obviously when you get to like a higher level of MMA or like a really high level of Muay Thai, it's probably more more applicable. Where you yeah. Like a, a certain, more of a game plan. I know in um, Jiu-Jitsu it's 
obviously at the higher level, it's um, they do a lot of study because there's so many different types of yeah. moves and positions that you can be in because you're like rolling. So yeah. there's, rather than having two people standing, and you, obviously you can move on that horizontal axis plane. I'm trying to explain it so people can kind of visualize yeah, yeah. it whilst I'm doing my hands thinking mm-hmm. that everybody can see it. But then with jujitsu, like you can obviously you've got you're rolling up and up and down at yeah. the same time but um yeah so that's interesting to hear mm. uh, yeah about that uh, well, my, there was a one on last night mikey Mus- muskemi i think he's called so he's the jiu-jitsu flyweight world champion for one for is one this the guy with the glasses yeah. he's a nerdy bit of a nerdy dude. kind yeah. of guy but really yeah, really dude he yeah. almost tore this guy's leg off last night really like, it was fucking insane so like yeah he went for a leg lock and was just kind of like he went up to like a knee bar and was just jerking on this dude's knee for like eight minutes straight. And he's like, yeah. oh, afterwards, he's like, I heard it pop like 20 times. Like, I don't know how he didn't, how he didn't tap. Oh, he didn't really, and you watch it and just... it's the most disturbing thing you've ever seen. Oh yeah, nah, no thanks. <laughs> I think it's just a bit intense for me. But uh, like just with the vis- visualization thing, was there a certain time where did, uh, did it come from within the gym, these kinds of suggestions of things that you can do, or is it quite self, was it self-directed? More, probably more self-directed. Yeah. Yeah, it's been interesting. Like I started doing some, um, when I was roofing, I started doing the uh, TM, which is like Transcendental Meditation. So that's oh, like, okay. Yeah, that's, I'd like- your, that's your 20 minutes twice a day, more um, mantra-based. So can, for anybody who isn't, um, for those that aren't familiar, and even myself, I'm not really that familiar mm. with it, can you kind of give a brief sort of... So the way they, so you get given a mantra, and that's for you, so you don't really tell that to anyone, yep. and that's your, that's what you're going to center on. Um, and the way they describe it in the, in the, in the course was like, like bubbles so you've got like you're going bubbling 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 down until you get to your subconscious and each bubble is kind of like a lot of the time you, you'll have these thoughts come up and then you just return to the mantra and eventually you just bring you it's, it's the same as look man they can they can spin meditation all different types of ways but you're doing the same thing you're getting into your subconscious mind you're getting into that internal processing unit that you want to fiddle around with and like take out a few wires and put them in it's like you think about it in terms of computing power yeah but it all centers around the mantra. So you, you start having thoughts, you just gently return to the mantra. And the more times you do that, the easier it gets. And in like a 20 minute session, you'll find yourself down in your subconscious where you're getting that um, relaxation. There's not so much um, once you're in there, like doing stuff, like you just kind of like, they'd use it a lot for like anxiety and like, um, a lot of depression stuff because it just kind of centers you in that relaxation state again and and it and it um yeah when I first started doing it, it was because I was just having a shit time roofing and I was feeling pretty crappy and I'd heard it was really good so I started doing it 20 minutes twice a day um and is there a breathe did you say is there a breathing um method that's associated with it or it's more um, of a no it's it's literally attentional just attention shift. yeah yeah it's, it is kind of like mindfulness but it's it's mantra based so you ah uh, yep you you're just noticing the thoughts it's just the way i mean that a lot of meditation practices say the same thing it's like 
watch the thoughts go by and just kind of greet them and say goodbye to them and just yeah. let them move on and you bring your attention back to the manager every time you do that and it is tricky man because it sounds so easy like just just watch the thought and then return to the manager but you'll start to try to control the situation you really have to like surrender but like at the same time be like returning to the manager is a tricky thing so like you might start thinking about something like oh fuck's sake I'm thinking about this again okay manager 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 you're like forcing it you're still kind of yeah. forcing it so like, right, think about the manager think about the manager you kind of just have to the more it flows and the more you don't get annoyed at yourself when thoughts come up it's the thing people don't realise about meditation like it's always going to happen like every yeah. time I meditate there's thoughts and I do about an hour and a half a day and there's not oh one, really that's quite a while there's not one time when there's not some shit that's trying to like bubble up and take yeah. your attention away like you just have to gently accept it point being on gently and not start getting frustrated with yourself or trying to control the experience at all and then yeah you can use the mantra you can use some people focus on their breathing like i said i've been doing a lot of the chakra stuff lately where you're focusing on different points in your body um so do you think that is something that is because uh, i haven't looked into it like i said is that something that's has a uh, what's the best way of saying it? Of like a physiological basis. Obviously, it does because you're you're um, drawing your attention to points in your body. Mm. Do you think though that it is it something that has more of a narrative or symbolic utility, or do you think that it's uh, we could say scientifically true? And yeah. those two, I'd, I hate to say scientifically true, and have people think that like scientific truth means that it's real truth yeah, and everything I know, else I know is exactly what second rate because yeah. I'd always kind of thought about like I just hear chakras like it's just like it's a bit woo woo or whatever and the yeah. more I get into it like I mean the way it's explained is like your glands are actually where all these centres are so like your pituitary gland your thyroid, thyroid. like your, your um, I forget all of them but they're, yeah. they're all lined up with where Interesting. Adrenal would be lower. I is lower, it lower down. down? I think. Yeah. I um, and you know you can get you can get into like the way that they think about it in the the spiritual practices and stuff. But essentially, the same. Like, yeah, your your organs hold memories and hold energy as much as the rest of your body. I mean, there's studies being done at the moment about like the heart, and they're saying it's like the, the way that the neuro like the actually the heart actually has neurons like certain types of neurons like that are separate from the brain like it's got its own mind like you always you hear people say like think with your heart or follow your heart and it's like they're starting to prove like scientifically now that it's ah. actually got its own thinking like it separate from the brain it thinks in a certain way and it's very i think early that's on. interesting i'm gonna write that down actually my nana was um telling me something similar about that too and she's yeah. um uh, quite religious as well and so she was saying that uh, it had a lot of um, it was quite reinforcing for, for her yeah. because there were scriptures and things in the Bible yeah. um, that had you know spoke like you said think with your heart um, and we didn't get too deep into the conversation yeah. I, I didn't really think too much of it after we were yeah. kind of speaking I was, I'm curious so to hear it again yeah, yeah. I'm going to write it down whilst I'm writing down you said uh was it one of the fighters that you fought or someone who you're going to about the podcast? I just want to check it out. 
Oh yeah, it's um, <clears throat> I think it's is called the Stand Up Guy, the Stand Up Guy podcast. It's Matt Moss. Yeah, he's got got a yeah, like stand up comedian podcast stuff. Matt, Matt Moss. Moss. M O S S. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cheers. You're good dude. I'll check it out. Yeah, um, it's interesting, man. Like, because the more I've done these types of meditations where you're kind of focusing on parts of your body, um, I've been really just trying to center in the heart space a lot more. And the more and more I've done that, it's making, you know, we talked about like bringing up the emotions before the fight and stuff. And if you, like, if I tell you right now to close your eyes and try to bring up uh, excitement, that might be quite easy for you. It might be hard if I tell you to bring up joy it might be easy it might be hard um fear might be easier might be all these different emotions just to sit there and just bring it up like yeah what i've found the more i've done these meditations i'm centering my heart it's so much easier to bring up different feelings and emotions like it's really because um, it's bringing you back to less thinking and more feeling and yeah that, and that is the thing with all this energy centers and, and working a bit more with energy and thinking about your body as something that can can feel you have gut feelings you you feel with your heart yeah you you're analytical as well but the brain isn't the only thing that's doing things and i think that's it's once again it's a shift in perception that i've struggled with this is all new shit to me man like i was very much i'm not skeptical but just like you know when you don't know about something and you just kind of like you don't even think about like giving it any thought and the more i've gotten into it the more i honestly think it's it's real man like i start to feel more of a connection to people now um quicker um i can tap into certain head spaces quicker i can shift my emotions quicker i can start to if i start feeling shitty i can easily flip that to feeling feeling better or feeling certain emotions like it's a lot more control over the feelings yeah um which is this is what i find so interesting about meditation is that you have to get to that space of feeling like you have more control over the emotions yeah you actually have to try to cease controlling yeah, you got to surrender and then 100%. so you mentioned um a few positive states you said excitement joy mm. i wasn't sure if there was another one that you said is there any utility do you find for yourself in like I I have a fair bit of um, uh, emotions like guilt and anger um, are two that are really challenging for me because guilt for me like there's this self-serving aspect of guilt guilt where uh, I feel like it's there for a reason and sometimes I mean I'm I'm working on it for sure and I've had some more experiences recently that have forced me to have to work on it and i think i'm i think i'm doing it um to to some relatively good effect but yeah what what are your what are your thoughts with those like those sorts of emotions definitely like feel you on the guilt guilt and shame yeah very much which i'm not sure if you'd heard of this um distinction i'd only heard about it recently and i feel like i'm telling everybody who (laughs) i mean it's weird how some of those conversations come up but that Guilt is something that you hold um, within yourself yeah. and shame is something that you feel or you perceive or you experience from others uh, to you. So yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, for anyone yeah, no, who's that makes sense because shame would be like if you, yeah, if you're, um, yeah, it's, it's shame 
being over someone maybe finding out about something and you and you feel oh, yeah oh, i don't want them to know that whereas guilt would be like you know something within yourself that you may be feeling guilty yeah about. nice so in that respect i think uh what something that i've been working a lot with is worthiness so like work, working with that as an emotion and like i was saying about certain emotions being easier to bring up than others i can close my eyes and i can get i can get excited really fucking easily and i yeah. can be in that and once you get into these deep meditative states where you know if you listen to joe dispenza or or um a lot of these guys will say it's like the void or just where it's essentially you just you're no one you're not you're just in a space that is just pure nothingness and then when you bring something up like it's it's pretty ecstatic man like you get to these i'll be sitting and meditating and it's like really quite overcome with whatever emotion you're trying to sustain but worthiness for me is really hard to bring up and like I can, I can get there. I can start to feel. I guess it's a, an offshoot of confidence in a way. Yeah. But um, and that's yeah, because self worth is, I think when you when you're talking about shame and guilt, it's like you 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 you're minimizing yourself. You you're shelling up. Yeah. A bit more, and self worth is kind of opening up and shoulders back, and you're a lot more. And that's kind of you can use these visualization techniques to try and get to that emotion as as a start point, and then when you kind of know what it feels like it's a bit easier to then sustain and it's all a process man it takes a while yeah i find it interesting too just from i think it's easy for like i think as as people get older and i'm i'm trying to say this from uh i mean this more as a question rather than a statement but i'll say it in say say it in statement form but like when you're younger and you kind of uh and we'll sort of maybe hit kind of puberty time we start to become conscious of social uh, more social aspects and the complexities of social interaction and then there's this acknowledgement that you know you're supposed to be someone mm. and you're supposed to like oh what are you going to do yeah. when you're older who are you going to be yeah and then you see um i think i was talking about rebelliousness yesterday or maybe even earlier today you see that coming out it's like trying to recognize yourself and it's sort of battling with you mentioned worthiness battling against oh am i worthy mm. but then and you can go you can i feel like you can go one of two sides you can say i'm not worthy and i need to do everything uh to try and prove my worth yeah. or you can say oh, i am worthy and in that case i don't really need yeah. to this is what i find interesting with uh and i'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about this between Christianity and Buddhism, just as an example, yeah. as I see it. Yeah. Buddhism seems to have this kind of maternal spirit of it where it's very like, be here right now, you're okay yeah. as you are. So you imagine you're a kid, you're running, you fall over. If yeah. we're stereotyping, mum goes, hey, come here, it's a cuddle, yeah. everything's all right. That's that sense of worthiness. Yeah. Dad says, come on, get up, try it again. You can do it. And that's also love and encouragement yeah. of, I know who you could be. Yeah. And those two things don't seem to, they seem both to be very important. Yeah. And like, for example, just <clears throat> with the side of Christianity, it's like sacrifice, 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 mm. and then you will reach, uh, you know, the afterlife in heaven or whatever. Yeah after later yeah that's where yeah. you could be that and that's why they talk about um god as the father yeah. it's like the father yeah, spirit whereas the, i feel masculine. like buddhism has more of that feminine kind of 
thing. And I, I find that tension, well, I have found that tension to be quite uh, interesting to navigate. It's like, okay, yeah. do I pick the one that counterbalances whatever one I'm leaning too much into now? Yeah. Is there a perfect middle yeah. or is it dynamic where I have to change it depending on circumstance? Yeah. I've heard it explained before as like the delicate balance between intention and surrender. So surrender being like you're saying with the Buddhism, like it's all going to be like, yeah, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Relax, relax, surrendering intention being, this is what I want to work towards. This is what I want. If I do all these things, I'll get to heaven. You know, like yeah. this is, you know, it's that balance between the two. And I think balance is once again, it's part of the reason I got the tattoo on my side is the yin yang. It's like, I think oh, okay. balance is, everything man like you're saying there like where do i where do i put the energy into and this kind of goes back to the chakras as i'm learning about it now as well um with if you think about your body and everything and everyone as just energy which is you know quant quantum physics is starting to kind of like really delve into more mm. as well they realize that everything is just it's majority of it is energy yeah so it's like where are you putting your energy okay so if you're living your life purely for you um really just from survival get 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 me 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 you're probably going to be holding a lot of energy in those in those centers whereas you might meet someone else that's like does everything for everybody else they're probably living quite a lot out of their heart and other people like it's all you can kind of get an idea and just from knowing yourself at the moment because we're all fluid where you're where you're off balance where you're in balance and i think the the point in Buddhism or you know somewhat in Christianity as well is like getting to that enlightenment is just aligning everything so being kind of getting everything in order and lining up so you can really kind of actually step into ah, your potential right so I was going to I was going that was going to be my question I was going to ask so what's <clears throat> the highest form and I kind of hesitated to ask it because mm. as they say with meditation you know if the goal is enlightenment mm. then you're not doing that thing of yeah. recognizing your worthiness now like yeah. they say you're already enlightened and i really like that i really like that phrase it's it's kind of frustrating a yeah, little bit because yeah. it's like well why am i why am i suffering so yeah. much in my mind yeah, 100%. um and the attention on suffering this. is part of it as well yes like, exactly like, yeah. yeah so you're saying that the highest form without trying to necessarily put a goal to it but just recognizing the uh, possibilities that are out yeah, there 100%. is not to disregard those um the roots as you were talking yeah, about yeah, like those, you know those survival further emotions. down i think a lot of people have to kind of heal those like you, you can think about it as the actual chakras or you can just think about it as aspects of yourself yeah a lot of people would be easier to think about it as just aspects of yourself you've got to heal the aspects of yourself that you know everyone really knows like what it is that's kind of you know talk about the shadow like Jungian yeah I haven't stuff, I haven't like, delved much into Carl Jung but he seems like a very <laughs> interesting guy I've got a pretty guy. elementary knowledge of it anyways but essentially just those things that you know probably need dealing with yeah that you don't really want to look at too much and there's so many different ways to go into those you can use your psychedelics you can just use deep meditation it's that itchy voice at the back yeah, the, the thing that you know you need to do but you probably don't want to do but i think that is all just like the healing to start to bring you into alignment and that's a process but if you like you're saying if you realize you are enlightened now you are worthy now everyone you're already you're not a finished product but you don't have to get to somewhere to be worthy of anything you're already worthy now you just 
getting better like you're just improving like it's a tricky that's mm. it's the surrender and attention again it's yeah like you have to surrender into the fact that like where you are now is is perfectly fine if you really sit with yourself and you sit outside and it's a nice day and you just sit there and you're just in the moment like there's exactly where you are right now is fucking perfect like yeah. this is amazing it's only when you start to come out of that moment and think past and future where things can get squirrely but I think wherever you are whether you're here like whatever you're doing if you really just sit there and just be there just like oh this is pretty fucking cool like, yeah nice. and the more you can get to that point the more you start to align yourself I think things just good things just start to happen for you but you constantly have to wrestle with that ego that's like mm. i have to do this i have to do that what if they thought that about me it's like because it always comes up like fucking even driving here i'm like thinking about stuff and it's just like you, the more i think you meditate the more you notice that and and are able to um change like actually make the choice to change that and this yeah. comes from psychology as well it's like you know the choice to change is the most empowering thing i find um, this really interesting from the perspective of, we were talking yesterday about free will. Yeah. And uh, I've listened to a fair bit of Sam Harris as well. And I. He's got an interesting view on it. He doesn't really, like, he doesn't really believe we got free will, does he? Yeah, he doesn't. And I find his reasoning very compelling. And I actually find it consistent with you were talking about being in the, the being state yeah. of, like, feeling state rather than just. Thinking, thinking which a lot yeah. of um what a lot of people do you know you feel like you are somewhere behind your eyes yeah and then there's the world out there and like and then you're directing things yeah. within yourself but if you just sit there for i mean the first time i ever tried meditation it was just a three-minute headspace meditation. Yep. The guy has a very, very welcoming voice yep. uh, and very calming. And he said um, something like, sit there, close your eyes, recognize your thoughts and recognize that these are just arising. These yep. aren't... It was something along the lines of, these aren't yours. Yep. These are just thoughts that are arising. And I actually started crying yep. because I had never... I was so locked in my head yeah. going, oh gosh, I need to be perfect. I need to be yeah. perfect. And, yeah. and then like judgments of other people who were getting in the way of my, yeah. who I'm supposed to be. And I, I found, you know, Sam Harris's way of talking about it as being quite liberating because now it's like, all right, I don't actually have to judge myself for my insufficiencies or whatever. And if somebody does harm by me I'm, I'm not going to be as quick to assign agency to that yeah. person as going like no you hurt me it's yeah. like well you didn't choose your you know you didn't choose uh the culture where you were brought and you can go back as far as you yeah. want you didn't choose the culture that you were brought up in um, the the family culture that you had more specifically your genetics yeah. your how much money your parents have you you can't even choose your next thought or you can't choose not to have thoughts yeah. either and I find that to me going all oh, right well if that's what it seems like for me then I it's reasonable to say that other people feel the same way and maybe yeah. it can help me take a back step now on the flip side of that 
I exp- I feel uh, might sound like I'm contradicting myself, and perhaps I am, but I also feel like I can make a decision. Yeah, it feels different, like for a knee jerk reaction. If somebody, you know, that thing, if somebody yeah, hits yeah. your knee and your 100%. leg flicks up, and you go, "Oh, I didn't do that." Yeah, compared to you going, "All right, I'm going to move my knee." Yeah, um, I did that, but I. S- so I, I, I recognize some kind of tension there. Well, but, what you yeah. said before about like you, you not being your thoughts is, is exactly that. Like if you start to separate yourself, lower S self from your higher S self, higher self, like you, you, this, it gets so squirrely, man. Cause it some does. people believe in a soul. Some people don't like, I've just assumed, I would just refer to it as your higher self, as your soul, as the, the thing that you are regardless of in this body in this little avatar that we've got going on now Hmm. so all those knee-jerk reactions like you were saying those programs that you just do and you don't even think and that can be thoughts as well yeah and feelings like thoughts and feelings like but the the thing that's above and i think the more the more you meditate the more you get in touch with the thing that you really are the more you can look at all the stuff that's going on from the body is because you see it when you meditate all those things when you're trying to sit down and meditate and you start getting thoughts and maybe like your shoulder starts hurting or whatever and you, mm. your, your avatar, your body is literally trying to rebel against you. Be like, no, 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 we've we got to get up and do this or we've got to go do that. And it's like, you, you do have agency. You do, because you can you can choose to notice those things. And I like laugh at it sometimes. I was like, oh, look at you. Like, you want to get up and get a coffee? Dude? Like, mm. you, you're not getting a coffee. We're sitting here. Like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And like, you can't, you, so like you said, it's intention and surrender again. But like, you know, I've had meditations where I've gone up out of my body like two or three times and not really attach myself to trying to get back to that moment every time, but just taking it as a lesson. So the times where it did happen, I was, it's weird, man. Like it was super psychedelic. I was looking at my fucking self on the ground. Oh, really? It had oh, a visual was, component yeah, to yeah, it, I did was it? up, out, and it, the way I kind of, I remember I was just doing a bit of focus on my, on my crown and then kind of just started to like lift my focus out and the more you do it you can feel the the the, the energy around here like fit really feel it like really the way i would if you put your attention right now on your finger and you can feel your finger mm. through feelings you could do the same thing with your head and i just kind of kept doing that and and then just without really realizing i just kind of popped up and out and then was like okay and i think well i just remembered to surrender into it again it's just kind of surrendered and just kind of just sat there and watched for a bit maybe lasted five minutes that's that's a while yeah it was weird man yeah and and the first thing i noticed every time i meditated after that i was trying to get back to that yes i want want that again yeah and it it, i don't even think it's really happened since then and so i've just taken it as a lesson to realize like you're not you like you were saying you're like you're not your thoughts you're not even your feelings you're not the body, you're this other thing that gets to, you know, in TM, in Transcendental Meditation, they call it like, you're, you're the observer, like be the observer, be the watcher. Um, so it's like, yeah, you do, I can see where Sam Harris comes from because he's, I think, talking a lot of, because he's a neuroscientist. Yeah? yeah. So he's like talking in terms of circuitry and, uh, you know, uh, routines and habits. It's like, yeah, for the most part, what you do every day isn't really under your control. It's not free will. It's just your body going through the motions. Like we get up, we take a piss, we go have a coffee then we get in the car, we go to work. Even the thoughts you're thinking on the way to work is just routine. Hmm. 
and and you know when you're training a lot of the time you're just on 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 uh on uh, what do you call it autopilot, autopilot kind of thing exactly yeah and the more you i think the more you meditate and start engaging more with the present moment that's when you get to start to take a bit of agency between like yeah changing your circuitry like i mean i don't know if you've heard that quote it's like neurons that no no longer fire together no longer wire together yeah like yeah you actually starting to be able to like properly change because you're putting more attention on what's going on rather than just kind of going through the motions what i find interesting with it too is that um because i obviously uh i think i mentioned before that i'm uh going to study neuropsychology so that uh neuroscience kind of aspect to it is very interesting to me but the part of the brain that is kind of strengthened and you were talking about the snowboarding before we started this podcast that you know you imagine you're snowboarding down a hill and you know that's the path that you've been reinforcing every day and then you know with meditation or you mentioned psychedelics or something like that being having the opportunity to redirect that path yeah. which may be really challenging to begin yeah. with because you're exploring uh, unknown territory yeah uh, but by doing that you can have a different outcome and the part of the brain that gets strengthened is the prefrontal cortex like yeah. in particular so the part that sits like kind of just behind your eyes sort of thing and that was the last part to uh, develop through evolution it's also yeah. the last part that develops in in children um is i think it's about 25 when yeah. you when your brain fully develops so it's i see a concordance i think is uh, an appropriate word if i know the meaning of it correctly mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, between between that side of what you're saying and even neuroscience side to back it up and on the psychological aspect of the prefrontal cortex that is about um, a developed prefrontal cortex allows you to inhibit impulses um, i've been talking about addiction where you know people who engage in whatever their addictive behavior or substance is that the prefrontal cortex loses some of its connectivity and then people don't have if you imagine it like a muscle they yeah. don't have the muscle to flex yeah. against those impulses yeah. um and so you could imagine that doing a lot more meditation that is constantly redirecting you from the impulses of going to get a coffee or yeah. going to the toilet yeah. um, or the pain in your shoulder or whatever yeah. are you seeing what i'm saying with the yeah. connection between um those two different sides yeah i i, I just still wonder where does so that has been strengthened but those neurons are still firing like neurons are starting to fire before you've even had the experience that things are kind of moving yeah i don't know i I'm definitely definitely well, that, that, that's the the fascinating thing about all the fighting and stuff as well it's like you're when you're getting these emotions and you think about emotions as just energy and motion like it's it's the energy that you're going to use to change something. So if you, yeah, like you said, you're firing those neurons and you're having the experience before you're actually experiencing it and just kind of building those pathways early on. Yeah. Um, and I think through meditation, it's kind of the, it's kind of the same thing. Like you, you're, um, I mean, the, the, that's why I think TM is so good and so many people like it. It's really just, it's just getting you into the present moment. Every time you're having a thought, 
you're becoming the observer, you're observing the thought, and then you just bring yourself back to the mantra, or you can do the same thing with your breath. And so you're just getting better at realizing those things. And I think that's like what you're saying about the, the prefrontal cortex. It's like if you're, say, addicted to, to drugs, like most of the time you're just going to habitually, or, or booze, you're just going to sink a beer when you get home. That's just what you do. But yeah. the more but you become present and you go to put your hand on that beer and you go, oh, oh, I'm, I'm doing like you, you kind of notice it yeah more. and then the choice then you at least have a bit more agency over your choice yeah and then you know this is where hypnotherapy comes in it's like you start to do future pacing and behavior rehearsal or how how do I want to act when I go to put my hand on that beer or when I go to the fridge to go grab a beer like and I notice it and then usually you attach an anchor to it so maybe I, I notice it okay maybe I just like rub my fingers together and then that's going to bring up the emotions of uh, um, uh, confidence in myself without having that beer ah right so um, you're pairing you're pairing the rubbing the fingers yeah. with practice that you've done beforehand that's it and same with meditation those. like I say it's all the same shit man like you you can hypnotize people like said with the meditation or visualization it's the same thing and like we are talking about before with the, the guilt and the shame and, and worthiness like if you haven't experience much of that that nice emotion well you're gonna have it's like the prefrontal cortex once again you're gonna have to try a bit yeah to to put a bit of effort into to learning how to experience those emotions before it becomes a bit more natural and then you start building those pathways easier until you've literally just changed the person that you are like you could go from someone who has got no self-belief or no self-worth or you just feel like you're a piece of shit and purely through the uh, power of your own mind and through the energy that you're putting in and it's obviously took some time invested as well, you can change the person that you are. And you see this over long periods of time, I think, with people when you, when you don't even realise you're doing it. Like, you know, you could probably say the same, but the person who I was when I was younger and in high school, I was quite timid and I would just try to people please a lot more. You went to Blackwood as well, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, I actually do think I remember... Um, seeing you there briefly, you're five years older-ish, I think. Now? I'm 26. 22. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, so four years. So, like, the, the 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 person then compared to now is just completely different, and that was through um, not as much purposeful changing, but it's just, like, you know, the, the people you surround yourself with, but you can just do it yourself. This is the thing about yeah. hypnosis and meditation and changing your brain is that it really is, like, all under your own control. Yeah. You just have to have, like, your own process that works for you. It's, like, some people probably like the hypnosis approach. Some people just like the um, different types of meditation approaches, I think. Like, praying, like, same thing. Like, your, yeah. your prayer might, for you, be, like, something that like every time you're praying and you're feeling you know you're praying that something good is this is the thing it starts getting weird like when you're praying for something it's like you're you're operating from lack like you don't have it whereas like i think when you're meditating and you're going i'm already worthy it's like you're kind of affirming that, that you you already have the, the capacity for these things you're just trying to teach your brain that like this is how we operate now like this yeah we don't we don't we don't get addicted. We don't drink every. We don't drink every night now. Like that's yeah. just. It's just like, that's not what we do. Now we attach. We have a glass of water instead. Like we, you know, that's it's like a slow process. As well. mm. But it can be fast. It's a lot faster than like, you know, trying to do it just with your mind. I think when you get to that subconscious, you <clears throat> the ability to surrender 
becomes a lot easier because you're kind of in that operating system. It's like, that's what they say a lot about, um, like when you're just operating out of purely uh, analytical. Yeah. It's going to be pretty tricky to trick your mind into that. Like, yeah, because then you're still... I've actually heard people talk about the analytical mind or the intellectual mind as being inherently cocky, I guess is one way that people have spoken about it. And I am curious with, you know, more of what that means, Mm. um, because there is this sense of competitiveness when it comes to intelligence. People don't like, I mean, even myself, I don't, I don't, I don't think at this stage that I would want to do an IQ test mm. all the way through. I would give some of the exercises a go, mm. but I don't want to do it all the way through because like intellectually, I don't want to, to come to an answer that's yeah, unfavorable. Yeah. And I know that I'm uh, not the smartest person in the world. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Again, that yeah. comes back to the perfectionism and idealism yeah. the kind of, uh, that we were talking about before. Um, I wanted to talk about hypnotherapy a little bit more. Mm. I just listened to a podcast. I can't remember what this guy's name was, but he was fantastic. I think he was a, um, a psychiatrist who was finding that medications and things that he was prescribing just, they weren't, he needed more tools, Yeah, you know, cause medica- medication can be helpful. Uh, but you need to have, you mentioned the practical element mm. of, it's not just in the mind, but linking it into a practice. Yeah. And you've spoken about some of your practices. Um, so yeah, at the hypnotherapy sides of it, how did you get into it? How long have you been into it? And yeah. Um, so my parents went off and did something called, so this gets, I guess you could call it somewhat woo-woo and esoteric, but if you get into um, sort of past life stuff and if you, once again, this goes back to yourself and your higher self. If you believe that there is kind of like a higher self, you could think about that in terms of Christianity. You can think about that in terms of Buddhism, Hinduism. There's all some sort of thing that we're not us. We're not this thing. We're something else. So yeah, if you get into the past life stuff and what they went off and did was like a a hypnotherapy that would kind of delve into some past life stuff and then also um, sort of communicating, I guess, with your, higher self through hypnotherapy so you're talking like they were in there for like four or five hours like each like separately so i think dad did like a five hour session and you're constantly re-deepening into the into your subconscious so once you're into your subconscious you're able to kind of i think access these states a lot more where you're in these you know it's 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 the research is just like kind of in its infancy so it's hard to like really quantify what it is but they just came back and had like they were just so different like it was almost unbelievable oh so you watched this transformation yeah like they they went off to queensland and then came back and it was just like they were just so different in a good way as well and it was one one session yeah i think they did like two sessions and a bit of integration and it was like yeah they were up there for a weekend wow Um, and then came down and at the time i didn't really know i didn't i knew i didn't want a roof anymore i didn't know what i wanted to do so i was like i'll just kind of have a play around with this and um yeah started studying it um left it for a little bit and we could go into this with like imposter syndrome i'm sure you've had a bit with like some of the stuff that you studied as well where you actually go to practice or 
like and you get oh like is this for me like i don't think I'm gonna yeah do. it was the same thing as fighting it was really interesting it was like i don't know if i should be doing this like maybe this isn't my path like all this sort of stuff and it's kind of roundabout way of just pulling me back to just trusting a little bit more yeah um but yeah like so it is really fascinating like they they came back and they, it was like i'd watched a, a computer program be taken out and something else be put back in that's more positive and that's essentially what hypnotherapy is it's like if you've got something you don't want to do we're going to replace it with something that's more benevolent to, to you that that you decide on as well so it's this is the thing that people think about hypnosis it's not like you're i'm doing something to the to the person like you're doing it for yourself we're just facilitating and all of the stuff that we're going to do is decided on collaboratively um you use like a like kind of like a cbt model like same sort yep. of thing um and uh and using all different sort of psychotherapies as well so like i think i think it's psychodynamic one of them um that kind of goes into uh associations free associations yeah you can do free association to kind of you're trying to get down to the core beliefs that you kind of have around your your um and like the distress patterns and stuff that kind of so you can get real deep into it like that it does kind of just is like an offshoot of a lot of psychotherapies yeah i think one of the best one i think is it parts therapy gestalt gestalt parts therapy where you can kind of think about your your ego self having a bunch of different parts um that deal with different things so let's say you've got an, an addiction to alcohol that might be a part that is just concerned with safety and you feel really safe when you have a drink so you, when you're in hypnotherapy you can kind of go down to that subconscious level which is like the operating system and then start to ask the subconscious questions like all right is there another way that we can find another way uh, a way to feel safe that isn't alcohol um, and then you can go into the things that you've maybe already agreed upon that are actually gonna be able to replace that and that's i think why it's so successful is it's something that you decide together. You know you've come in here wanting to change something, so there's the belief aspect there already. Yeah, I was um, thinking Is there investment? That is super important. Like, if you're not invested, like, you hear someone, like, oh, hypnotize me, bro. It's like, well, it's not going to work. Like, yeah. You just want to, like, see it as, like, a clown show, and you're not invested in it. It's yeah, they're work. thinking stage hypnosis exactly. rather than hypnotherapy. And you see stage hypnosis people will pull people up and then tell them to go back down because they know they're just going to fuck with them like it's, yeah like, you, you need someone who's actually willing to participate because um, it's a it's a consent state you have to consent to having it be done so um, there's a and uh, please tell me if I'm wrong here there's a strategy that you can use to tell whether someone um, where they sit on the continuum of how hypnotizable yeah. they are I'm not sure if that is yeah there's tests correct verb there's like um yeah there's there's certain tests that you can do i think for the most part it just comes down to their own experience when they do it and the more they do of it um the better idea you'll have of like how deep you and sometimes you might go deep sometimes you might go medium like i've done a bunch with a lady i go to called dana salermo she's really really good she kind of aligns with a lot of my sort of spiritual beliefs as well and i've had some pretty crazy regressions i'll give you an example actually um i was struggling with just i think standing up for myself and uh what's the word like being able to put my foot down i guess a bit more assertiveness yeah so more of assertiveness and we we regressed i did some hypnotherapy with her and we regressed back to it was so vivid man it was insane like it was like i'm seeing you here like 
me in a paddock with one of my friends in England, like back back when I was a kid. I must have been somewhere in the range of like six or seven years, seven or eight years old maybe, playing together. Um, and we were just playing and something happened and then he just kind of came over and was like, don't, don't do that, don't do that. I was like kind of like getting in my grill about it a bit. Your friend was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, and I just kind of like, kind of curled, curled up and just kind of went into my shell a bit. And this is, I was all experiencing this in my own, in my mm. own mind. And she's asking questions like, what are you wearing? Like to try and bring it a bit more vivid. Yeah. Where are you? What's the environment like? All right, now really feel those feelings that are coming up. Like, what are you, what are you feeling? And, and yeah, I got that real sense of like, I can't like fear essentially was what it was. Um, and then she did a, a, a technique you can use where you essentially just go up to your child self and say, you can see this now as, as what it is like this isn't that big of a deal like it happened um, but it doesn't have to control you anymore like there's certain ways to go about it mm. um, and then yeah afterwards like I felt like really like released from it like that that emotion of just like not being able to stand up for myself and not being able to uh, put my foot down all through that through that regression and regression is quite big in hypnotherapy it's like you know going back to your child you're trying to find the root you're trying to find the root cause of it and sometimes that takes a, a little bit of time because there can be a bit of resistance from your subconscious as to like how far it will allow you to go back what's safe for your subconscious as well and there's there's ways to make sure that you um oh what's safe yeah so this, would, this this would be an important factor if you're talking about um abuse and yep. the, the variety yep. of abuse that can you don't of... want to bring anything up that's going to re-traumatize yeah and, and the, I mean, one of the best ways, obviously, you've got to establish a safe place very early on as well that you can go to really easily if things start getting a bit hectic. I imagine that um, would take some time with a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, some people, it's easy. You, I think focus on that as like a real, um, like have a whole session dedicated to that so you can really, that safety is super important. The other way is to kind of have it uh, projected onto like a, a cinema screen. So like have them sit in the chair as if they're ah. watching it happen so you're disconnected from the actual yep. experience you're seeing it happen and then you can choose to move into the experience when you feel comfortable and and um sort of reframe it um, that's so really that's really powerful i'm actually uh i don't know whether it's the um elegance in how you're describing it or just the fact that when you're talking about that experience um some of my own uh memories and things stretching back mm. kind of coming up but it's it has a very emotional um quality to it and yeah. it's intense very psychological but it makes sense with what you're talking about that screen and being able to create that distance yeah which might seem to someone who's never heard of this before it's like yeah well who cares there's no screen there yeah you you know you're just like it's still you yeah. it's like yeah but this journey um those points those, those points matter like we think in stories and things like yeah. that so to be able to frame that that way and to yeah. spend that time you said dedicating one session to that safe space yeah i could imagine that that would be that that can be helpful just in and of itself to recognize it that you have a yeah. safe space which yeah. going back to what i said about the first time i tried meditation and to be told that the thoughts that i'm experiencing aren't necessarily mine yeah 
that was a safe space to yeah. be able to go, oh, right. Okay, you, that's if, nice. Like you said, if you, if you cried and had an emotional release, that is something that your, your subconscious probably sorely needed. Was yeah. That, was that really, and I've had same similar stuff, man. Like I'd, yeah, that session I had with her, I was blubbering. I was, I was like yeah. really, really feeling it. And even before we went to the session when we were just, she was doing a bit of exploring and stuff and I started talking about it, I started to well up and she's like, this is good. Like you need to attach as much emotion to the experience as possible. They call it an effect bridge. So that's what's going to pull you. That's what's going to bridge you to that experience. So there's no point. This is why the hypnosis is quite good because you can get the same you could get the same effect when you're doing meditation. So you could sit there for a while and really start to think about, oh, when did I, when did I last feel uh, really guilty about something? Like, when was the first time I did that? Like, you can analytically do that yeah. as long as you fucking want. Good luck. Yeah. But if you start to really engage with that feeling of guilt, you could do, like I say, you could do this on yourself and really get to it and then try to ask your subconscious, all right, when was the first time that I felt this? Was it before? Was it? And when you've got someone facilitating, you yes. can really, you know, was this the first time you felt it? Because we went to one situation, it was, um, I remember actually, it was, this is really interesting, it was my, because I'm from England, so it, when I moved from England to Australia, my first teacher in Australia, she was just a C word, she was, she, <laughs> she was bad. I appreciate um, your restraint. Yeah. She, was, she was horrible. And she took me back to this situation where this this lady essentially just chewed me out in front of like the entire class. And I, from what I remembered, I'd only been in the country for like a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. Oh wow! And she just chewed me out. And once again, I shelled up. I just didn't say anything, didn't do anything, just kind of took it and and accepted it. Um, so we went through that a little bit, and then she actually pulled me back to that other experience, which because I was probably around twelve or thirteen then, and then she pulled me back to an ex that other experience where I was maybe six, seven, or eight or something like that. And so you're communicating at the same time, so you're in a, yeah. a hypnotic state, but she's able. You said Dana is her yeah. name. She's able to talk with you and say, "What yeah. are you feeling?" And you're able to communicate, but not. So communication is more sort of intellectual yet you're locking things down it's, and you're talking you, you've probably had some experience with free association it's the kind of similar thing where you're not trying to think like you gotta just let the whatever just comes up just kind of just let it come out so when she's asking certain things it's like um yeah but like when you do free association so like i say dog you say cat, cat same sort of thing it's just yep. the first thing that comes out and it's usually i don't think she's looking for long answers either like i'm just kind of saying things as they just come to my head so once you're in that state and you're really just you know you're uh, accepting of suggestions and and you, you're speaking from your subconscious and that's a skill in and of itself this is what you're saying about some people going to like deeper levels like she knows that i meditate quite a lot so she's like you'll probably find it quite easy just to switch switch off and just like just give those answers like quite free-flowing yeah um, and, and i could imagine sorry i didn't mean to cut no, you off yeah. i was gonna say i can imagine that takes a lot of uh attentiveness and now that you've done you finished the course did you yep. say yep. yeah just waiting on my last assessment to like get handed into me and then i'm fully qualified so yeah okay I'm just waiting on an email <laughs> yeah yeah nice i mean i can imagine that'd be a good feeling though yeah, to yeah. be able to have that sense of accomplishment um but that that the person um, doing the session, mm. in this case Dana, 
is having to be if you're only giving short responses because mm. you don't want to detract from the being mode mm. the feeling mode that uh, she's having to attend to your body signals like mm. you know micro expressions and tensions yeah. and relaxation in your you, face and your shoulders yeah, and things like to that. just kind of see how, how deep your eyes are and the first time I did it with her as well I found myself thinking a bit bit too much like I mm. was she was asking me things and I was I was there's a bit of resistance there um, the second time I, I knew just to just kind of just let go and surrender completely and just kind of sink mm. into it. You can do um, idiomotor responses as well, where it's, you just feel like lifting a finger. That's okay. A, that's a really good one. So if they ask you like yes or no questions and like, are you ready to move on? Yes. Yep. You can ah, use different so fingers. you don't have to. So you don't actually have to verbally. That's a really good one when people first start. Yeah. Um, so they're not actually breaking the trance somewhat yeah. when you're actually, you know, first starting. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I've I've had a uh, I've well sorry not similar. Well, there are some overlap with um, meditation and because uh, like there's that first feeling that you, when you meditate, you have to have your eyes closed and yeah. you have to be focusing on your breath yeah. and you, know, you need to be just focused in general, no yeah. thoughts. Um, and then when you realize that that's not, uh, th that's not the only state to be in, that's yeah. just one of a whole variety of different states. And then trying to... Uh, just test the limits as I have become more com uh, comfortable in that state. And then I'd be, I tried at uni and I was sitting outside and so people are walking past and I'm going, I wonder whether I could sit and close my eyes and do a meditation here. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the kind of little bit of resistance yeah. the first time that you went there um, and I felt the same thing. You know, doing that, and I'm going. Oh, people are walking yeah, past. Yeah. They're looking at me. Yeah. Who's this weirdo with yeah, his eyes yeah. closed? Yeah. And I'm just competing signals. Um, and then the more, the more times doing it, and I think using some of the intellectual or thought-based things can be grounding if you have the right intentions yeah. set up. And I think the best. I've spoken about this before on the podcast, but but uh, recognizing myself as a learner and identifying as a learner yeah. is one of the strongest things for me because it allows me, it gives me direction to move yeah. forward because it, and quite broadly, yeah. but it also allows me to deal with um, what would otherwise be called failures yeah. by going, oh, okay, well, I didn't fail. Learning. Yeah, it's like you either win or you learn. I heard that from my business partner, Nate, who heard it from somebody else yeah. as all these uh, really powerful quotes are um and I, yeah i just found that to be quite uh quite encouraging yeah so do you um when you've finished what's your plan with it um oh, sorry you have finished when you've received yeah, the so, email so when, well when i actually when i actually start practicing so i've got a, a friend uh that i train she's going to let me use her spare room to start off with which is really nice um and then yeah i guess just start slowly slowly taking people on that are gonna gonna um, be keen. Thinking about how I really wanna niche down initially is more, I guess, habit modification. I honestly think if you get a bit of momentum with something, it'll it'll take off. So let's say uh, you've got a habit of, um, I don't know, you just really struggle to get up in the morning. So you can do some hypnosis to change that habit and, and, and get to the point where you feel feel really good getting up in the morning you feel like energized like and that's gonna snowball into the 
other areas of your life and then yeah maybe you want to do some more hypnosis surrounding other things but i think that's where i want to go with it is just get get the ball rolling for people yeah when you really feel like you get those times when you feel like nothing's really going right for you you know you just can't catch a break or whatever sometimes that like little win will just kind of like yeah edge you over and then just open your mind to like the possibility that like once again as a facilitator it's actually you that's doing it and it's like putting the empowerment back onto you it's your mind that's doing it it's your mm. um like you're doing this to yourself i'm just kind of helping out like that's all it is yeah it's and, which is what the therapeutic process is really supposed it. to be like yeah. and that's what i find interesting and, and i mentioned before about working in um you know as a mentor that i learn kind of more about myself that's you know a large reason why i enjoy this space because to see other people recognize their own power is reinforcing for me to yeah. to think the same yeah um, or to just recognize that possibility yeah there's a there's a i think a, a really good connection between the fighting and and the hypnotherapy like i said because it, it is all really mindset when it comes to fighting a lot of the time and um, if, oh sorry no, you're no. Right. If, if you kind of i think what a, the vision for the for the future is to to introduce people to learning that they can do this certain thing with their body as well as they can do this certain thing with their mind um, I'm actually qualified in nutrition now as well. Oh, really? So, yeah, so oh, I, fantastic. I was so, going to ask you about that in relation to fighting. Yeah, it's like something I did a while ago. Um, mainly for myself and then for the future when I think you can just kind of combine those two things together for people that maybe don't even want to fight. like They just want to better their lives. And if you've got those kind of three-pronged um, there's a really good you like there's, there's a doco on Netflix called Stats I think it's called it's the Jonah Hill's uh, psychologist oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, have I haven't crazy. watched it yet I'm about halfway through and he talks about like his little pyramid food being like 85% of what's going to make you feel better and then I think um, 10 or 50 like it's it's it goes up like food and then like people around you and then actually your uh, yourself or something he's got like a very interesting pyramid there but yeah, it's that thing of like, if you can kind of get the main areas of your life under control, then things will start to like sort themselves out mm. naturally by themselves. And, yeah. and and mindset's obviously huge, the hypnosis comes in there. But yeah, if you can sort your food out as well to a, to a better degree, I think there's there's something there. So that's the vision anyways. Is Yeah, well, I, is, I saw yesterday that um, I think it was like 90% of our the serotonin that's released in our body comes from uh, the gut yeah. and serotonin is, oh, I know it's associated with people who have low levels of serotonin. Um, it's usually depression, isn't it? It's like, yeah, well, yeah. that's what SSRIs are, yeah. antidepressants, serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So it yeah. just keeps more serotonin in the system. Um, and... And people who have, or they've done it in animals where, you know, if there's like a fight, again, Jordan Peterson with these mm -hmm. lobster. Oh, yeah, his lobster. Yeah, he loves them. And the loser, the serotonin levels yeah. go down, the winner serotonin goes up, but it's yeah. kind of self, it's reinforcing. So that yeah. when it goes down, it's like what we were talking about before, where it's like, oh, I didn't lose. I am a loser. Yeah. And it becomes part yeah. of your identity and you recognize, oh, this is just where I sit in the hierarchy yeah. which brings me back to 
uh, you were talking about kind of um, going into those states. Did you call them regressions? Yeah. Yeah. Regression, they're called yeah. regressions. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to link it with that. Like if you, if you, and they know this in psychology with um, confronting your anxieties. So if you voluntarily, uh, I just did my mental health first aid training a few months ago and um, there's a section on anxiety which I was super excited to talk about because I find this really empowering and it relates to the hypnotherapy which is if you voluntarily approach things that are fear-inducing that give mm. you anxiety whatever that you know let's say for example you're afraid of in my case, heights. Um, I'm actually going skydiving yeah, <laughs> next right. weekend. No shit. Um, but so I've always been afraid of heights. But if you voluntarily go out and do that in a in a um, graded fashion, yeah. So you don't jump all the way to the extreme. Yeah. Which I guess I, well, I kind of am doing, but I'm not because roller coasters was one um, section of that, and I went um, do the roller and did the roller coasters. Yeah. And, you know, was able to, uh, remember you're talking about what it's like as a fighter, similar mm. in terms of, uh, I guess you could say fighting with myself, but really ceasing yeah. to fight with myself. Yeah. Um, but actually the most interesting part is that being able to work through that challenge, mm. it's not just that you reduce your fear of heights, but you actually reduce the your area. sensitivity to fear. Yeah. Like, and so you're, you're it's empowering yourself from that kind of being state, yeah. that feeling state um, that translates to a wider range, which I just find, like, I, I think this is the sort of things that we need to be teaching in school. Oh, like, don't get me started, bro. <laughs> the crap that, like I said, it's about the feeling. I mean, this is the thing. People, like, you're, you're switched on and, and have probably got, like you said, a quite a... Um, a threshold to, to fear that's uh, strong enough to at least build straight up to the roller coaster mm. and then onto the skydiving. Yeah. I think where the hypnosis comes in is people that their threshold is so low yeah. that they can't, you think about like agoraphobia, like we can't even go outside, like your threshold is so low and your threat threshold is so low that even stepping outside is going to bring you above that yeah. threshold. Um, where the hypnosis will essentially is like you start, yeah, you're you're putting them in the experience without actually putting them in the experience. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, maybe some people will need that for four or five weeks before they maybe do the roller coaster, and then another six weeks before they go do the skydiving, because like we're all better at dealing with different things as well. Yeah. Like the way I deal with the fighting, a lot of people like they wouldn't even be able to get close to having. I'd see it now when I'm I'm training a lot more PTs that are now going on for their first fight coming up in f February 5th. And they're all at pretty much the same level, but now it's the mental aspect is interesting to see some people that are just a little bit better at pushing themselves into that fear zone mm. than others. And some people are gonna need like maybe a bit of hypnotherapy and a bit of mental coaching to get to that point, whereas others are, are happy to just jump straight in. But this goes back to kind of what we are talking about bef before about like standing up for myself. I'm completely fine going in there and punching on with someone but when it comes to verbally standing up for myself mm. i have a lot more struggle with that and that's why i'm doing a lot of the meditations and self-hypnosis for that is to almost like kind of raise that threshold a little bit for me so that it feels 
I'm still going to confront some fear by doing that, but the threshold's raised enough where I don't start. I was like, I'll get like emotional and start freaking the fuck out. Like, yeah. And, and yeah, that's like what you're saying is like by doing the skydiving, you, you're going to be raising that threshold even more to the point where, yeah, it's like, you're not going to. Yeah. It's not, not that fear it. doesn't ha- serve a useful function, but it's just that, uh, the duration and the, the consequences of experiencing the fear for extended yep. periods of time. That's it, man. It starts to become unhelpful. I didn't like heights when I started roofing, man. And <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Like, like went away pretty fucking quickly. <laughs> yeah. some sketchy, I bet. Not some sketchy shit on roof. Yeah, and especially <laughs> in like kind of trade circles where it's yeah. um, often male dominated. And so there's this kind of like don't be weak yeah, kind of man. mentality. Yeah, and I, I got, I was lucky enough to kind of get one of the good ones, but there's still like unavoidable situations where you're doing some shit where you're like, this is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> this is so high up and I should not be carrying this. <laughs> or yeah. Whatever it is. Like, yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was like on a massive, it was like a five meter sort of A-frame ladder. So a decent way up with like an eight meter gutter that I was like trying to hang by myself. And the, the, um, it was winter at the time. So it was like down like a very closed off kind of alleyway right next to another house. You're trying to hang this gutter. You're already in like weird positions trying to get it on and stuff. And the mud was so soft, I didn't realize. And, it, and one of the legs just started to sink into You're the, kidding. the ground. I started to like wobble. I'm about, yeah, Dude. probably about four and a half meters up with a big gutter. And in that moment, you get the instant <gasps> and like got to do something. And I think I remember I just kind of like quickly popped the gutter up onto the top somehow and then grabbed onto the fascia and kind of pulled myself back and then just like slowly got oh, myself like slid down the, ladder. the ladder back i just in, kind of pulled or? myself back in before it had a chance to fully rock over yeah but that was all like this like yeah. that was just reactions and you know there's so many ways you can you can kind of react at the time i could have just chucked the gutter and just like jumped onto the roof like you know yeah. i was trying to almost like save the product a little and bit. that and that's the the challenge of it too where you've got like oh i've got my boss or or yeah like man. someone's money's on the line here too and and reaction will play a part as well as like I, I slid down the roof one time and my first reaction was just to grab out onto the sides as if to grab onto something mm. and as i like sliced all down my fingers because i just grabbed the side of the sheet and just kept sliding down the roof and just, oh like, really onto the side of it and yeah just almost took my fingers off like far it's hardcore hey the um some of the trade stuff oh, it's cooked man but like you said you, you kind of get into a comfortability state where your threat threshold is so high for certain things where it probably should be like a little bit lower like mm. you know i've seen carp chippies and stuff you're walking a top plate with no nothing and no like if you fall you're fucked but you're so used to it you just do it it's like yeah you your threshold for threat that might be probably mm. good if it was a little bit lower mm. and you like are a bit more sketchy about it yeah yeah actually i wanted to ask you about that what you were just just saying you mentioned like uh past lives and uh you know, things of that nature mm. which is not something that i've really heard i mean i've heard of people talking about it yeah but i haven't um ever really spoken to anyone who really yeah. kind of subscribes or has looked into that side of things yeah can you can you like so like I, I wouldn't even know if it's like I guess a belief system that I have I just kind of operate off the you know like there's no real way we're gonna know for sure about any of this stuff so I'm just kind of operating I was like well what if everything is somewhat true there's a bit of truth in everything maybe so mm. I just there's a couple of weird experiences I had surrounding this that kind of gave it a bit more 
um, bit of weight, a bit more weight to it. So yeah, obviously mum and dad went off and did it. So it's between lives and past lives. So they talk, uh, they even go into, um, once again, this is all if you subscribe to these ideas or not, but I think you can kind of feel some of this, just just feel it as, as it's being said, whether or not it speaks true to you or not. So they talk a lot about like what your uh, soul has kind of come here to do. So if you look at like Buddhism and reincarnation, like you're incarnated with a certain sort of goal or certain things that you have to work on as, as yourself, so someone that's got real, real uh, anger issues, there's a good chance maybe that they've, their incarnation is purposely put into a, a body that's going to have those issues because that's what they need to work on as their higher self. I like that. Um, and that's what mum and dad got out of it. So like they really kind of got more in tune with who they were as their avatar, but almost like we... You've, you've chosen this yourself as your higher self on purpose because this is something that this is an aspect of self that you need to work on um, and and it give a bit more clarity to them I think about like it takes a bit of the pressure off as well I think that's what it did. they felt a lot less a lot more weightless when they came back as the number one I think I noticed it was just like they just there wasn't much stress and it was almost like they just kind of engaged more with like yeah maybe certain things that they didn't like about themselves or did like and realize that like well this is this is the path that you've chosen this is the journey um so one of the things that was really weird that kind of give a bit more weight to it for me was mum came back and she was kind of describing um this space that they went to where you essentially are able to look at different lives and and how they lived it's almost like so like you could you could step into a scene and experience it and then you're actually choosing like where you go for your next life as a soul like if I think this is all kind of archetypal because your brain has to be able to um, put the ideas into like a form that makes sense yeah um, so she described to me like a like a big sort of spiraling looking thing with like kind of like screens all around it that she could move into and experience and then move out of and it was like this big white room almost like what uh, bridging space and time so yeah to speak. exactly and if yeah, you okay. speak to quantum physicists they talk about like space and time just being like an aspect of like the third dimension so if you get to a fourth dimension like it's it's not linear anymore like time and space don't relate in the same way you can jump from here to there to fucking everywhere when you're in that dimension so it was similar to that where it was one way uh, just for um, people if they hadn't heard of this idea one way I heard it spoken about was if you imagine that the whole universe was two-dimensional, so you're looking at a, a sheet of paper and there's like this little creature or whatever that exists on this sheet of paper, it's going to take time for that creature to actually walk or travel, even if it was at the speed of light. It's going to take time for that creature to get from one side of the piece of paper to the other. If you add a third dimension and you actually fold that piece of paper in half and poke a hole through it, yeah. you're seemingly jumping from one end to the other and going beyond those two dimensions and you're adding something else in. So yeah. it would be like, so that's on a two dimensional example, adding a third dimension. 
but we can try and imagine that something similar with a third dimension to a fourth. Yeah, and I, yeah. they talk about so many other ones as well, which yeah. I haven't wrapped my head around. But it's almost like then stacking that same experience on top of each other. That yeah, okay. seemed to be what it, what she was describing was like it was the same situation repeated, repeated, repeated with different interpretations of how that situation, like almost like parallel, parallel. Ah, fascinating. Um, but the interesting thing was just the way she described that room or space as like this big spiraling kind of futuristic-y looking structure with screens and stuff i'm picturing interstellar have you seen that movie that's the perfect example when he's when he's yeah that's that's very similar to what it, it felt like um so anyways when i went and, and regressed myself and and dana kind of put me into that same space she was just talking about it as like um uh, a space where you can we can choose to go into uh, the life that we're trying to kind of maybe get some information from or whatever yeah i had i wrote this down in my notebook after i finished my session was uh space a uh, big spiraling structure and bearing in mind mum hadn't actually told me her experience yet this was so oh no I, kidding so i hadn't heard about any of the stuff that she'd said and i'd just written down in my notebook after my regression session a big spiraling structure uh, screens all around could move into screens uh, moved into one screen I experienced something moved into another screen same situation I reacted differently and then I could move into another screen I was in a different sort of life and situation when you say you reacted differently uh, it was almost like if uh, someone let's say someone yelled at you and you yelled at them back and then another situation someone yelled at you and you took it peacefully like it was just okay. show, almost showing like how different situations can be handled and it's almost like your reality changes based off of your own off response. Of your own response yeah so i wrote all this stuff down mm. and then came back from my regression session and just kind of opened up my notebook and i was just sharing my experience with my parents and then mum then brought up all of that that it was almost dead on exactly what we saw as the uh I guess you, it's been referred to as like the Hall of Records or like okay. your space yeah. or the Akashic Records is another term for Sorry, it. Sorry, the... Like uh, Akashic Records. Akashic. So it's 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 meant to be whatever space it is that you're sort of able to pull from. And some people will purport that they can actually access this space like getting into sort of deep meditative states where they can start to see... Uh, yeah, like breaking down the reality, like you said, with the third dimension and the second dimension there, mm. through meditation and through going into more of a mental space, actually getting to that sort of fourth dimension where time and space aren't related the same way. And you can say that dream, the dream state is very similar. I've heard it described that way. It's like when you're in a dream, you were, you were in one place and then instantly you're in another place in a different situation. Like you, you've taken all that time out of the middle yeah. and you've just skipped over and if you look at that as a you know as a reality or not it's that's it's a good example of like what it would be like to be in a fourth dimension reality. yeah i used to i used to have this kind of um fantasy might be the wrong word but just kind of this imagination or maybe it, it might be the right word then that um imagining that if i when i fell asleep that my mind actually traveled to a different, and I reckon I was probably like 12 years old at this time. My mind actually traveled into a different body that was awake on some other planet yep. or whatever. And then uh, when I 
would wake up, there was like this kind of crossover period and then that body would go to sleep and I'd forget about yep. that one and then come back to this one. Yeah. I just, it, I just rem- well, was I think reminded of that. To me, at least that sort of moved further and further to what I think maybe the truth of it is, is that like, as, like we said before, like you're not, you're not your body, you're not your avatar. You can relate it to the movie as well, like that avatar movie, like you go into the machine and then you wake up as the- Yeah, have you seen the, the movie Soul? It's a Pixar Soul. movie. Pixar slash Disney. I think I've heard of that one before. I don't think I've seen it. But it is it. well worth watching, yeah. uh, especially with the conversation so that we've had and the sorts of um, concepts. Concept, yeah. yeah, talking about uh, the different um, different uh, just lives and timelines yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Well, movie. it makes... I mean, they've, they've linked DMT to the chemical that's obviously released while you're dreaming a lot as well and people that oh do, right is that the one that's okay yeah, through your pineal yep. gland so a lot of the people that do see like lots of dmt or ayahuasca and stuff they'll kind of it's like you're going into another dimension it's like almost the same thing that's happening when you're in the dream and you know with lack of research because of it being illegal it's obviously it's hard to quantify but it seems like that's something that might be happening yeah have you heard of a guy called paul stamets before you yeah the mycologist yeah yeah he, he had is. that really interesting experience where he was saying he had a big dose of psilocybin and then went to sleep and had this crazy dream um and he saw like a bunch of dead cows in a field um and it was hot as and he just saw this 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 scene of just like a mass of dead cows in the field after this is after he was uh, he was kind of still tripping a little bit, I think, and then went to sleep um, and just thought, oh, that's really weird. And then two days later, there was a massive flood and uh, yeah, he had to like go up to his cabin and he had to stay up in his cabin because it was all the road, roads were flooded out. And then like on the way back down to town, he was driving and there was just a mass of dead cows that had all drowned from the floods as the flood receded and it just left all these dead cows and it was exactly what he'd seen in his dream that is and and he was saying he's like i think i entered into the multiverse whatever you want to call it like these parallel realities that when you're dreaming and maybe psilocybin has something to do with kind of enhancing that Mm. that ability to see something before it's happened and you would say that's super woo woo but like we were saying before if you think about the paper and the three dimensions, and then you think about the fourth dimension where time yeah. doesn't really work the same way. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely worth considering yeah. for sure. Why not have an open mind? I actually think I've seen that one. Uh, that's where he's on Joe Rogan. I think he's talking about his brother. Yeah. So you mentioned before about moving from uh, living in England, yeah. and you were about eight years old. Uh, when I came... So I turned 12 like a week after we got here so, okay yeah, oh right okay, when I, arrived, yeah. I think I've said this before but you don't have an accent yeah yeah. It's once again I think it's psychological I think whether it's personality type or because uh, I know people that have moved over at the same age and still have accents as well I think just from knowing myself as a kid I wanted to, to fit in quite quickly and blend in and, and felt quite uncomfortable being the, the odd one out and that's probably why I don't have it anymore yeah and also um, you're a, a very attentive person like you can see it in your eyes when you're talking that you're really paying attention which I say that because you'd have the tools there if that's what your mind and body were trying to do to, to be listening yeah. and attentive to 
how people are pronouncing words, which is actually really interesting. Yeah, I, find, I still find it kind of weird myself, actually. It's yeah, like, I relate to what you're saying with wanting to... Like, my parents used to say to me, oh, yeah, um, it, at least I don't, don't know whether they were saying it as like a... Not a negative thing, but like a watch out kind of thing. Uh, they'd say to me that I'm more of the... Like you said, I would more blend in. Yeah. And then... Um, like my brother Callum's a little bit more, uh, I guess in psychology you'd call it agreeableness and, yeah. and di- disagreeableness in that ocean model yeah. um, of personality traits. But I actually find that, like you said, there might be a little bit of, well, you said there might be a little bit of truth in everything, but perhaps we could change that and say there might be a little bit of worth or value in everything. And I think that uh, practice and that, perhaps inherent quality of mine to want to kind of blend in has led, oh, that was loud, um, has given me capabilities to, I think, connect with people better yeah. than what I otherwise might. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it has some, definitely some positive elements. Well, that's it. Like you said, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strength that you can use. And I, I'd relate to that on a, the same level. Like it, it makes you a lot easier to kind of, see people's different point of view when you're so used to trying to like maybe fit into people's molds yeah and it's then a bit easier to kind of like see what their mold is and then when you're actually trying to relate to people yeah on the flip side i've found as i've gotten older i've wanted to distinguish myself i'm quite a fucking weirdo now like i'm like into into weird shit because i I think somewhat trying to distinguish from the crowd a little bit more and anyone who knows me will know i'm quite like like outspoken with different things and, and things that most people aren't either interested in or don't give a shit about or maybe don't agree with um, to a certain degree. So it's like, it kind of yeah. like pushes you in the other direction as well. And you'd be similar doing this as well. It's like, yeah, for sure. You know, if touching on subjects that like, you know, maybe aren't like in the mainstream and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, I think it's a good thing on both sides really, man. Like, yeah. However way you brought up. I had another kind of, I think this is, um, fortunately we we've actually gone through so many of the questions and sort of topics that I wanted to sort yeah, of right. talk about. Um, I had another one just off the back of having conversations that most people don't really approach, but um, I'll ask this on a kind of a broad scale, but I'm curious sort of going back to fighting and just more um, competition and sports in general, but are there particular things uh in preparation, um, I'm just going to go out and say it. Like, so there's you're talking about energy in your body, and I find for myself personally, um, sexual energy mm. um, and that sexual drive as being uh, like if you connect with that on a raw sort of um, evolutionary level or whatever you want to call it, it's quite a powerful and quite an interesting mm-hmm. thing because every living thing yeah. engages, you know, with that yeah. is how does that work in terms of fighting or sports? Is that something that's kind of advised? Like, do you, well, I've that, heard like that you, like a lot of people will say like you meant to sort of like refrain from stuff as well. And I, I, I kind of believe that somewhat, like I'll subscribe to that. Like I'll kind of avoid uh-huh. stuff. Um, 
for like yeah like you're saying when you're talking about the energy and 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 that sexual energy kind of coming from your root like coming from that first center like it's yeah it's really really powerful and like you said if you're burning up all that energy um like you you, you'll be able to feel a difference like i said if you if you if you keep it keep your chi as it were Mm. keep your chi i would say to like the boys like yeah you gotta keep the chi keep the (laughs) chi strong yeah um yeah, because uh, like, I'd, I'd need to delve into that a little bit more, but there's ways to, like, yeah, they would say, like, transmuting that energy is, like, some of the most the most powerful energy that you can kind of manifest. Um, yeah. And it starts from, I think, being balanced in that space as well, in that, like, you're, you're not, you don't have an unhealthy relationship with any sort of um, sexuality, I guess. Like, you have, a, you have a healthy relationship with your own, healthy relationship with how you perceive other people as well like if it's already kind of and then you can choose to kind of uh yeah let that store up almost and then direct it at something which mm. i think is what you're saying but yeah. yeah and I, I bring it up well one because i don't think there are too many people that are really comfortable sort of um talking about it because they think that it might what's obviously it's a very vulnerable thing to talk about mm. i was mentioning in one of my podcasts on addiction about like um, pornography use mm. and how uh, twisted that can, can send you. And I had a really, really challenging time mm. trying to um, trying to manage that. I feel like I've mastered that and like yeah. it's not a that's not a part of yeah. um, my, you know, whatever behaviours or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was curious with the fighting sides of things because there's a certain I would imagine that uh, restraint is energizing, but it could also be irritating yeah. and maybe um, detract from the mental clarity that you know yeah. would otherwise be there. Yeah, I think it's like um, I mean, I've thought about it with the upcoming one as well. Like just just with with my missus, like how I think you can you can use it as like a like the excitement once again. Cause like, yeah, if you're refraining from stuff, like there's a buildup of excitement, obviously. Yeah. Um, that I think you can then direct towards the, towards the fight and towards the experience and then direct it back afterwards when mm. you're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you can kind of like, once, once again, it's just being present and taking control over like probably one of the most powerful urges that you have. Yeah. Um, and, and eating yeah and eating, yeah percent. yeah it's like those first two centers like your, your sexual energy being in the first and then the eating being the second one up ah oh, wow you know? like, this is really interesting yeah. to be yeah and yeah. i think your solar plexus goes more into your free will that's what they say so you've got sexual energy reproduction second one eating and 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 stuff like that and then yeah your, your will like your willpower being in those first three and, yeah you know people that subscribe to those will say like you have to shift the energy probably starting from the bottom to start off with and just kind of work your way. Mm. Like me personally, I feel like I'm working on that, that third a lot at the moment. Yeah. Um, first and uh, third and second. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating when you kind of, when you start to feel it, like you can, you can talk about it all you want. When you actually start to feel it happening, then it's, it makes a lot more sense. Cause yeah, like, especially with the, with the sexual stuff, like very, very similar um, in what you were saying just before, like yeah. I didn't really, re- I didn't really think about pornography as being like a, a problem or anything. 
but mm. like the more once again present and attention you put onto it you feel the difference once once you kind of decide to not not do that anymore or, yeah. or whatever like you can you can really kind of feel you, you're calling back energy to yourself yeah and and training will improve i think all those sort of things like yeah and that redirection yeah as well literally you're not you're not just mindlessly kind of giving that energy away you're kind of like bringing it back and then you can choose to use it for something else yeah and i heard something interesting that was like so when when it's like in a in a partnership and you know you're having sex with somebody that there are um oxy like oxytocin the chemical that's like this have you heard of it it's like the um, trust and bonding and things like that that goes up and i was listening to andrew huberman who i'm not sure if you've heard of him yeah and he was i think it was yeah he was talking about how if it's just a solo Mm. um, mission that the question was do you then bond with yourself Mm. And he was saying that, no, that's actually not how it works. Mm. And people, lots of people talk about guilt and things like that yeah. as well that are associated. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I found that curious and I'm, I'm grateful to, uh, to hear your thoughts on yeah. it as well. And with the perspective of, uh, being able to redirect and apply it to something, yeah. Yeah. um, that has practical yeah the practical benefits and i think that can be with anything like you're saying with addiction like it might not even be like a, a massive addiction but it's still energy that you're giving out to that certain that certain uh, activity if you call yeah. it that like cause I, I had the same with like video games man like for as, as long as i can remember i've just been like a gamer and just been involved they've just been a little kid and then through high school and doing it with all the mates and stuff like that and um, it was never really for me at least until it's like, like a massive problem. It's just something I did to enjoy myself. But then when I was, when I was working, I started realizing it was, it was, I was doing it a lot more just by on my own, um, getting quite reclusive with it, um, getting like into a pretty dark headspace as well. But I, I haven't gamed for about a year and a half, like nothing, just cold turkey. Yeah. Okay. And that was probably, it sounds really strange but that's probably one of the hardest things i've like had to do but it was surprisingly simple like i just kind of decided no more like this is this is doing more harm than good now and that's calling back energy as well and i think it's the same with people that are like hardcore addicted to pornography or hardcore addicted to food like yeah it's still all energy that you're like calling back to yourself that you can then use for other things yeah it's like once i stopped doing the gaming like other opportunities started opening up that i had she had energy to, for and i think it's a never-ending process yeah because when you start cutting weight the next one's food <laughs> like mm. that's like you know that's i always say it's like the last little fucking crutch that i have personally is is just food because yeah, well, how much weight do you usually have to cut um well i usually do frame? i aim for like three kilos of water for me is like fairly easy so like for this one i'm i'm looking i want to be about 70 kilos and then i can do three kilos in the sauna or just doing a bit of sweating sweating that sweating out three kilos yeah fairly fairly straightforward and in what time frame do you do that well if we weigh in on the saturday night so for this one it'd be a saturday night for a sunday the next day weigh in which is what you want you want like a, a night before if you're going to do any sort of 
good water cutting at all if you're doing it the same day you don't really want to cut too much water because you just don't have that same amount of time yeah um so i'd yeah probably just get it done in the morning is the easiest way do it do it in the morning and then by the time the weigh-ins come you can usually try to cut down a little bit under what you need and then you can start uptaking a bit of nutrition and some slight fluids so you're not like going from uh, cutting all the weight wading into the weigh-ins with nothing and then eating and drinking heaps so at least like mm-hmm. if you do that in the middle, you can kind of have like a little bit of food and then I'll still be on weight by the time I actually have to weigh in. Yeah, um, right. That sounds like a quite a hard process. I've never had any experience. It's interesting, man. With that. And I learned a lot about it through doing that nutrition course. Uh, I knew stuff just from, from whatever as well. Um, but it was the interesting about, thing about nationals is because it's all the same day weigh-ins and this gave me a lot of confidence going forward as well. So you're weighing in on the same day um, I was cutting three, three and a half kilos of water each day That's on the same day. So it's probably not ideal, but I've won all three fights and I feel like I performed pretty damn well as well. Yeah. It's easy because it's here in Queensland, it's humid as, so just like go chuck a couple of hoodies on and just go yeah. for a bit of a light run. And I was running, which is not ideal either. You don't really want to be exercising to cut the weight before the fight either. So it comes to it now, I'm like, if I'm doing a night before, I'm not doing any running or whatever, three kilos a piece of piss, like it's super wow. easy. So yeah, that would be, uh, that's the goal anyways. I'm probably sitting around like 73 now or something like that. Yeah, okay. Get another two or three kilos off and yeah, and then do the rest in water. Yeah, I really didn't, I really didn't know that that was, that, that's a, it seems yeah. like a substantial amount of um, water, like, yeah. like a three litre yeah, I think models. everyone's everyone's kind of different as well with how much I sweat like heaps. I yeah, like a me too. Pretty big sweater, so it just depends on like. I guess that helps. Yeah, it? yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, something else just before we wrap up, we've spoken a little bit um in the past about like books and your love for books and yeah. how. I think I remember you saying that you've always kind of been a reader. I'm just curious on uh, who have been some of your bigger. I was going to link it into the question of um, who are some of your inspirations. Mm. Um, I guess it doesn't have to be related to books, but yeah. uh, I, I appreciate the way that you think and and how you have a kind of inquisitive but drawing from other bases as well. Mm. So um, just about... I, th- I think yeah. just in terms of most influential books... Probably The Power of Now for me is a massive one. So the Eckhart Tolle, just with kind of, I think just becoming a bit more acquainted with like how important it is to just like be being present and like really everything just kind of centers around around that. So, you know, you think about um, anxiety as being, you know, scared of the future and depression is probably like, something from your past that's kind of put and if you can kind of just bring it all to the now and it's it's just unreal like that, that book just and you can kind of go from there into like you said down different pathways um joe dispenza's books he's probably in terms of the meditation stuff he's one of my bigger influences for sure so all of his books and goggins yeah david goggins is pretty it just all kind of i, I honestly think though man like between religion people um influencers like scientists doctors like the way that david goggins thinks and the way that dr joe dispenza thinks from complete and, and jordan peterson same way 
really interesting if you listen to Jordan Peterson and Jocko Willink. They do a podcast oh, yeah. together. So you've got like a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And you've got like a, a clinical psychologist yeah. who's been through academia his whole life. And mm. they even say it's like completely different backgrounds with a very similar message. And I think that goes cross-culture, cross-religion, just with everything. You can pull a very... You look for the... Um, the uh, the synchronicities and the the similarities in things and that's probably where the truth is like the the you know if anything that truth is just accumulated data and mm. if you, th- you pull from all these different sources and you've got something well he's saying this and he's saying that and that like worked really well for me so did this and Christianity is saying this and Buddhism is saying this and Hinduism is saying this and 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 science is saying this and quantum physics is saying this well maybe that's like maybe we were onto something maybe, yeah, like, yeah, that would make a lot of sense yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> just just by you know pattern recognition yeah and that's why I think a lot of the past life stuff I can't discount it because like quantum physics are saying that it's extremely likely that we are just experiencing some sort of like a matrix level of reality like almost like a hologram because like you said we're just in the third dimension and then you've got Dispenza saying something very very similar um, you've got the Buddhist Buddhists that have been saying this for generations yeah. that is, this is just this is just part of it. We're just a blip, and this is just the body that you're in right now. So it's like if you kind of pull from everything, mm. maybe there's some truth in that. I don't. Yeah, know. and I really like that because it could at first seem like oh, you know, just on this pale blue dot in the middle of nowhere, just doing this thing. What's the point? Mm. But. Um, and I was listening to this guy called John Vaveki, who, funnily enough, I reckon I've mentioned him on every single podcast yeah. I've had so far. But um, him talking about that being, you know, it's helpful to expand out that far. Uh, but this expansion and contraction to recognize the now as yeah. well as being a crucial part of that kind of contemplation. Yeah. Um, as well as the, the feeling mode and the being mode that mm. has been a pretty prominent and I would say kind of undercurrent of the whole conversation that we've yeah. been kind of having today. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so that's awesome. Um, so I'm looking forward to the fight. Yeah, I've never, yeah. I've actually mm. never been to a live... Muay Thai. Muay Thai fight, at oh, least yeah. not um, outside of uh, Southside Sick. Muay Thai. with yeah, the, enjoy it. Yeah, got Corey, really... my teammate Corey's fighting... Yeah. So he's fighting the last guy that I fought from Perth, Joe Joe Stockwell. He's a re- really good fighter, so that'd be a killer fight. And then we got a bunch of people from Southside having their first fights as well. Oh, awesome! With a few guys having their second. Um, yeah, it'll just be a killer card. So, yeah, Kim Kim Johnson's the guy I'm fighting. So he's pretty well known around Adelaide as well. He owns a gym called Technicians. Um, fought some like really top level ties. Fought like quite a lot. He's been around for ages. So. It's a pretty big step up for me. I mean, he's I think some somewhere around forty six fights he's had. I've, I'm on my eleventh, <laughs> so yeah, it's right. A nice, okay. It's a nice experience step up. But like I said, it's like if you want to prove to yourself that you're good, there's a pretty easy way to do that, and that's just go fight someone that's really good as well. So yeah. it's just like you know, if you can, yeah, if you can get it done, then you must be somewhere. <laughs> mm, I guess absolutely. Yeah, no, I love it and. As I said before, I really appreciate uh, the way that you think and the way that you're able to kind of articulate yourself. I remember when I first joined the gym um, and we'd had a couple of conversations and with you just being a little bit older, I remember thinking like, 
uh, it got to this point where I was like, okay, I'm starting to think of trying to take a bigger picture view, you know, just from going through some challenges and feeling like I just need to try and um, reshift my mind. And at least I, I took tremendous benefit from the conversations good, that we'd had and almost saw uh, you kind of symbolically as kind of like a, almost like an older brother slash friend, like friend sure, kind man. of um, level. And I think that that was definitely helpful in those, those, uh, I was going to say infrequent, but they were fairly regularly, uh, regular sessions yeah. throughout the week. And I, yeah, I just really appreciate the way that you for conduct sure, yourself. So um, extremely more, grateful for more to come as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, that, that's exciting. I'm really, really grateful. Yeah. Fuck yeah man. So thanks heaps. No workers, right?